Just before we start, I just wanted to mention one thing quickly. Uh, Hellas and Co. and Sporting Club Hellas are independent missions. They're both run solely by myself. So if you could like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, it would mean the world. Check out hellasandco.com. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Eh? The quality of the football's there. Yeah. Honestly, reckon it's better than the A-League. That's this, outlandish. No, I, this is the thing, bro. Like, I know a lot of the boys in the A-League now, just through doing events and whatever else, getting to know some of them and like, the quality is exactly that. MPL is already at that level. Like we're not really looking outside unless they sign like a marquee or something like that or like bring in someone like, you know, Charlie Austin or someone that was like a baller in the AFL somewhere or whatever. It's standard. Like the Aussie standard is not bad. You look at like soccerers and shit like that. Half of those players in our national team are like from the A-leagues and stuff yeah. like that. So it's like, True. Bro, they would say – I was saying to the boys after the game, um, I was saying – the MPL is on a level playing field. Yeah. Because when we have marquees, they stand out, but like the boys aren't as quick as the marquees. Yeah. So yeah. you have like this standout marquee. Yeah. And then so the level on in the A League looks at more of like a differential. It's like a wavelength, yeah, if you imagine yeah. like that. Yeah. Whereas the MPL, there's not many two standouts. Yeah. But yeah. it's like a good high level football. And yeah. bro, the refs are not on a power trip in the MPL. Yeah. Um, like, they cop it back, bro. Oh, they copped it bad yesterday, yeah. bro. Getting called all sorts of names in Greek and um from the hills. Yeah, boys. yeah. They stand their ground, but like they'll they were swearing back at them yesterday. Yeah, it was good yeah. stuff. But um, yeah, like this ref let everything go, and then it got to a point where one guy came in, bro. One, I reckon the guy should have been arrested. Bro, this <laughs> it was it was bad. He just two footed this bloke, almost snapped him, and I was like, holy shit, he got sent off. Yeah, but I think I saw like three fouls get called. Yeah, only like two yellows, and like if it, I reckon if it was an A League game, that descends into like just complete like yellows everywhere. Yeah, like, but yeah, the refs in the NPL, they just let it go. The NPL is a scrap, and I guess it's the same when you look at like the AFL and stuff like that. Like the lower down the leagues you go. The more brutal they all are, I think it like it almost gets more pretentious. And like, as you get close to the top, like the prem, like they call everything, but they're like better at diving and shit. Yeah, There's you're more like in the spotlight, I guess. So it's more like, yeah, televised, family friendly. Like this needs to come up. Whereas you get the lower down you go, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brutal, stuff, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's sick. Yeah, it's because like, uh, do you remember that tackle? I think it's like Vidic on Walker, and Vidic is like coming across straight through. And yeah, and Walker like does like a front yeah, flip. Yeah, yeah. That's like played on like highlight reels for the Prem still. Yeah. But I see that most weeks at NPL. Yeah. Where like guys are getting like legit front flip down yeah. of a tackle and stuff like that. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's important, I think. Yeah. It makes it interesting like when when it is that heated and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, you don't want to see people get hurt and whatever else. But like at the same time, it's like that is part of it. It's like so much passion, so much energy. Like you see someone go in for a tackle. Yeah. If that's your team, you're like go on something like and again, yeah. another one. Give us another one. Like, clean them up. Let them know where they are or whatever else, you know? Yeah. Who do you go for? Well, my family's from the UK, a place called Swansea. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll, bro, I'm Swansea mad. Like, since I was young, I've got that many kids. I've, like, Is full your... kitted out. But here in Oz, I'm from the West, bro. Yeah. Got to be wanderers. Um, When you speak of Swansea goats, yeah. obviously there's one that's in jail. <laughs> does, does he... Does, because for me, Wilfred Bonnie's like one of my all-time favourites. Baller, bro. Yeah, for Swansea, but not for, not for City. Hey, hey, it's where you know him, you know what I mean? Yeah, come on, Wilfred Bonnie. Yeah. But um, who who would your goat be for Swansea? It's, it's hard. There's there's a few, but there's probably two that people talk about as like absolute icons. One's Lee Trundle. I don't know if you know who he is, no, but no, no, he's no. like, bro, he's someone that, 
like Ronaldinho spec, but like Welsh Ronaldinho. Like looking, I think he's English even. Like, yeah, but Swansea just like accepted him as one of their own and he still lives there. Like I was over there a couple of years ago, walking down the street, just walked past him and I'm like, fuck, that was Lee Trundle. And everyone's just like, yeah, he's just a lad. Like, he still plays, he's like mid 40s, probably 50s. That's mad. Still balls out, like just in the local leagues and stuff like that. I'll show you some clips after this. But if you look him up, Lee Trundle, like absolute baller. And then other than that, there was a player called Michu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking one season wonder, bro. He was the one season wonder, but... I've never seen a player so good one year and so fucking bad the next. He was magic, bro. Yeah. And like signing him, I don't know if they got him on a free or if they got him super cheap. From Spain. Swansea was all on the deals, especially with the Spanish boys. Like we had pretty much Spanish squad and we were playing really nice Spanish style football, like heaps of passes for a long time when we were in the Prem. Um, And when we were in the championship coming up. But, bro, he was something else. Like, and I went back every year when I was younger to see the fam and, like, getting to watch him play live, like, yeah, man. I'll never forget watching him score. Like, it was just electric. And the energy around the club at that time was nuts. But other than them, unfortunately, yeah, well, with know, whatever's yeah, yeah. going on with Siggy, like, I have a player-worn jersey of Siggy and stuff. And I've, like, kept it now. I'm like, it could be worth even more money for the wrong reasons down the track. Yeah. But I hope whatever comes out of that case or whatever, for his sake, my sake, or yeah. the fans' sake and Swansea's sake, like that he gets cleared. What about yeah. um Williams? Baller, bro. It, it was it was sad to see him go to Everton. Such a shit move. Because we were still like going all right and being like the club captain and stuff like that, he was such an integral part of the club too. And you don't realise how much like a certain player is missed until they're gone. Bro, our defence was shambles after that. And he like he's such a strong player and was such an icon there that it just sucks to see, you know, one of the fans' favourites and everyone like that just suddenly pack up and yeah. adios. You know who fell off a cliff as well and we versed him in the Asian Cup the other day? Jordi Amar? Oh, Yeah. Played for Indonesia now. Yeah. So he like left Swansea. Whoever he went to failed, went to Indonesia. Yeah. And now he's playing for Indonesia at like a national level as well. There's I remember watching him. him and you're like, fuck, it was good footballer. Yeah. And then I'm watching him at the Asian Cup, found out he's only 32. Yeah. Like, Shit. Yeah. We got some players really young, like Dan James. Yeah. He was coming through and flying. And then, you know, next thing you know, he gets sold to United and we're like, what? <laughs> like, and, and I grew up as a massive Bex fan and stuff like that and being like Welsh, like Giggsy and all that, like it was sick when I was younger. So I loved United, you know, it's like my, it was like my EPL team, you know? Um, so I was like, oh yeah. And we were in league two or whatever when I was a kid. So it wasn't like they were even in the same ball ground, but to watch him go there and then like kind of not make it inside, like he got a run and whatever else, but he never really took off. And I think part of that was like, from being a Swansea fan, you watch him, like it would have been sick to watch him grow with Swansea, make it into back into the Premier League or whatever else with Swansea and then like grow from there. I don't, I just don't think he was ready to take on a club like United and make it into their starting 11. And then, you know, now he's gone to Leeds and they just buried us the other night, like 4-0 or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Half the Swansea team, bro, <coughs> is at Leeds now, like Joe Roden and stuff like that. And we just got wallet. He's at Leeds. Fun. He's at Leeds. He's in France. Yeah, he's moved around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because he went to Spurs, eh? Yeah. How did you feel? This is a very niche question. Mm. Nathan Dyer. Yeah. The year you got relegated, he you guys loaned him out to Leicester. Yeah. And Leicester won the league. Premier League, I know. The coolest thing ever. Because 
I've met Nath a bunch of times. He was at the club for a very long time and my family has like a um, like a premium membership kind of thing. So you get in like the food lounges and stuff and after the game, a lot of the players will come up, you get invited to all the corporate events and stuff like that. So I was lucky, got to go over there, um, you know, went the year we won the cup at Wembley, yeah. Nath scored and stuff like that. He was on for a Hattie. And do you know about that penalty yeah. saga? It's pretty funny. But anyway, the nicest dude ever. So to see him go to Leicester was sad. But to go to Leicester the year they won the league, like he's won the Premier League. Yeah, it's insane. Not many right? people can say they've won the Premier League and that one's special. So Yeah. Right. You know, there's like a niche Swansea football I always think of. There's um, Wayne Routledge. Yeah. He was he, good, He's eh? still around the club a lot. He's really? He was underrated, I think, in the Prem. Yeah. Like underrated. You know, there's so many players that are like not superstars in the Prem. Unless you follow certain clubs, like you probably don't know much about them. That's Wayne Routledge. Like just Mr. Consistent baller. Yeah, Baller. see for me, I'm in a similar boat to you. I go for Fiorentina, where yeah. the family's from. Yeah. So everyone talks about like top six club. I give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Or like I the just, Milans and Juve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck. Same with like you for Prem, I imagine like, yeah. not care. Like Swansea's my club. Yeah. When you're in Australia, I have like one friend I talk to about like Fiorentina. Yeah. Because they know everyone just follows top six Prem. Like, yeah, yeah. Nothing, They're not know. interested. They don't know. Yeah. Oh, talking about that, I guess um, <clears throat> good thing to mention is like Wrexham. Have you got around that? Yeah. Bro, that series done well, wonders. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel? Well, like first of all, how do you feel about Wrexham? Second of all, how do you feel about Cardiff? It depends who you ask. You say Cardiff to my family, they vomit like Cardiff scum. Like that's our biggest rival. Wrexham's the other side of Wales. So to explain it like geographically kind of thing, I guess it's hard. But if you imagine like New Zealand is flipped, that's the way... Wales is kind of shaped like yeah, right yeah, next yeah, to yeah. England. So we're down the south. We're on the very bottom and Cardiff's like a 30 minute drive from us. But Wrexham's the complete opposite end. So it almost doesn't even feel like it's a, it's a rival. It's like saying, you know, you play in Sydney and then you play in Perth. You don't, it's not a derby or anything. So yeah. like, that's the way I feel about it anyway. And then kind of watching the series and that you fall in love with these kind of clubs and the stories, the players and whatever else. So I'm, I'm a fan, bro, for sure. And that, to some of my family, that'd be like almost disown, yeah. like disown me kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like it's football. You, right, you fall in love with the game, don't you? So. Yeah. Well, there'd be like off the top of my head, it's like if Phoenix had, if there was another A-League Kiwi team or if there was another Canadian MLS team. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of in world football where it's a similar thing. Yeah. Where your country's domestic league is pretty average. Yeah, but yeah. But you have clubs playing in. Yeah, the in the high league. leagues. Yeah. Yeah. I um I forget his name. There's a famous Carter fan. Um, oh, bro, what's his name? He got into trouble at the Euros. Like, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name off the top like of my head. Boardroom. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he did a podcast. It was one of the most fascinating podcasts I've yeah. ever listened to. Because he, yeah, he was at Cardiff when they got relegated, and then it just went to shit. Yeah. so quickly, and um, yeah, bro, I, oh, I forget his name. Ali something. Yeah, I can't think of it. I know who you're talking about though. I've, I've definitely seen snippets of that interview. What do you think of Cardiff? Like, fuck them. Yeah, but that's football, you know what I mean? Like, you have a team and you're like, fuck them. It's like Sydney FC to me. Like, I'm just like, oh, fuck them. Like, I'm, I'm just not interested, really. Like, it's yeah. just not my club. But at the same time, like, fuck, football's football, bro. You, you hate someone and then you love them, you know? Like, the fact that they're losing right now, bro, I love it. I love it. I'm yeah. so glad because for years we were like, we're the best team in Wales. And that was like something that we'd chant. Like, we're the best Welsh team, rah, rah, rah. And it's like... When you're in the Prem and there's no other Welsh teams in the Prem, you kind of like, look at me, yeah. I'm the fucking Donny. And then next thing you know, you swap with Cardiff and you're in the championship and they go to the fucking Prem and they come straight back and you're like, yeah, sick. And now we're like the bottom of the championship. 
Yeah. And they're dropping points hard. They're coming down. So it's like sick. I'm glad we're at level playing field. We're playing in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a huge game. Must win for both of us. And like, it's a must win anyway as a derby, but like the points are fucking dry right now. Yeah. But you need them. We're in a drought. We're doing now currently, but I've got to ask Ipswich, you reckon they'll keep the pace or nah? I hope so. I hope so. I think a team like that, you know, not many teams that kind of mess around in the EFL make it up to the Prem. It's so hard to get out of yeah. EFL, man. So hard. So to go from like two, one, whatever else, being the championship, go all right and then get up. Fuck, love to see it. And they've got, is it Longo that's... And Burgess. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, they've got Aussie boys. It's sick. What more do you want? Like the more Aussie players that are playing at a higher level, Prem, wherever that may be, like the better for us, I think. The quality of football is going to show. And like Longo and that... They kind of phased out of like the soccer squad, but if they're playing at that level, it's like, how do you not look at these boys? Like, they might be older, but bring him in. Mass retired because Arnie tried to bring him back. Yeah, but I think he had the shits. Potentially, bro. Been he, dropped. I was about to say he got stitched. Yeah, I thought he was a decent player for the soccer. Oh, I think he's the only ever Ballon d'Or. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Wild, but hey, never. It's know. good. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. With your traveling yeah. <clears throat> around the world, have you ever, what, do you go to football games when you're traveling? I try to. I just got back from Italy and we were in Milan, but. Did you watch? I didn't watch anyone, bro. And this is the, the stitch up kind of thing. We flew into Milan like late at night. We drove to the snow, like where I was staying, this place called Lavigno. It's like a four hour drive out of Milan, close to the Swiss border. Yeah. We're there for a month, bro. I drive back. I'm not even in Milan for 24 hours and then we go. But the thing is like I'd love to take the crew that we're with to go watch a game and stuff like that. And I've watched games all around the world, but I'd love to tick it off. But we're just never close to it. Like it's just not one of those things. We used to hold the camp that I was on when we were in Italy. We used to do that in the States. It's like our January camp kind of thing. We go snowboarding and skiing for anyone that's got no context on that. But um, (laughs) take a bunch of Aussies over there. But um, yeah, bro, we used to go to the States and we were were flying into Denver and then going like um, out to this place called Breckenridge. So we'd always like drive because it was only an hour to two hours to go watch the NBA. So we'd go watch the Nuggets and stuff like that. But four hours to go watch a football game with a bunch of people that don't buy into it. They're all Aussies, the kids that we take. So unless they're into football, like they would love it if we went, but to convince them, they're all like, oh, I don't know. Like, and yeah. you know, they're snowboarders and skiers. They're not exactly the most like football orientated people, sports orientated people kind of thing. So yeah, it's hard, but yeah, if you can get to a game overseas, man, there's some wild ones. Have you been overseas? Been overseas, but no, I went in summer. So, so no football. Yeah, I've done that a few times, bro. I've been to Barca a bunch and every time I'm there, no football. And it's the worst. The worst. I'm dying to go. I'm going I'm going in 25 to watch Fiorentina. Yeah. But I want my dad to meet me there. Yeah. His dad's diehard. He's watched like yeah. Adriano, Baggio. Like, yeah. So, like everyone. Everyone you can think of. Put yeah, on yeah. shirt. Yeah. But um, we just missed Split. So we were in Split when Split had like trials coming up. Yeah. And that would have been sick because they had this guy called Levaya. He was just a Croatian guy, but yeah. he was the Croatian striker at the time. Yeah. And he was up front and like, bro, I, have you been a split? Nah, never. So like when you fly in, it's legit like you're flying into like something like Morocco. Like it's just like orange desert. Wow, and then man. splits like this old port town. Yeah. And as you drive in, it's all like the old buildings are all the same. Nothing's like new. Everything's yeah. built like 50 plus years ago. Yeah. And on the side of like what you consider like an office building or an apartment, they'll have like just the split badge. And then we'll have like um, Zagreb, like 
fucking good like yeah. head cut off or something. You know, yeah, something yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. For those listening, Croatia has two big clubs, Zagreb and Split. And Zagreb is owned by the government. So Split is like your working class. So yeah, so we're there and bro, it's just split everything. Statues, split badge, like every single thing. Uh-huh. We weren't going to catch the opening game. But we missed it by three days, their opening trial game. Yeah. But even their training sessions or like the fans, like, bro, like the, you see videos, there's like 20,000. You're like, fuck, do these guys have jobs first of all? Yeah, yeah. But second of all, like that's insane. Yeah. Like it's, bro, it's like a religion. Football is a religion though. And I, and I think Australia's struggling to grasp that from like a, you know, top-down perspective. I think, yeah. I think there's grassroots football and there's local football and MPL and stuff like that, which is to the core. But... As soon as you go higher to like that mainstream marketed football in Australia, I think they're really missing that fact that there's so much passion and stuff there. Like if you think back to like the RBB a few years ago when there's flares and it was gnarly, yeah. that's when football was coming alive in Australia. <coughs> that's when they had the biggest crowds. It's like there's got to be a correlation between all the restrictions and whatever else that yeah. they've copped and then the lack of atmosphere now sometimes when you go to a game, like obviously there's some and, you know, fuck, I'd love to see more, but that's the thing. How do you get more? you got to create that passion. They need to tell more stories. Like they sacked off that that TV show that they had or like mm. the media exposure that they oh, had yeah. for the A-League and it's just like that's growing the league. Like you're buying people into it. you got to keep pushing that stuff. It might not make you hella money. It's not exactly the best business move sometimes. Yet, it's not an immediate return. It's like yeah. play the long game. So It's insane, eh? I don't know what to say about it, bro, because it's disappointing, like, as a fan. Like, as you and I know, like, 20s kind of thing. Like, this is where you love to follow football. You'd go anywhere, you'd go watch a game, whatever, you loosen it. As you get older, the more commitments come, you know, you might not get to a game and stuff like that. And I just feel like as our generation is kind of just, like, plotting along, football is struggling and it's like, you want it to be thriving. You want to get rowdy with it. Like all of us would buy in if there was hectic derbies every week and like yeah. if people would turn 100%, there'd be heaps of fans. But there's no atmosphere. Yeah. Think about the A-League bros. Like how much can you buy into a fucking franchise? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like West, like West United, all due respect, like how the fuck can you buy into that yeah. as a fan? Location, I think, bro. And then I, it's just like hard. West United is like if, if I go to like – Someone who has no idea about football. I go, yeah. oh, yeah, Western United. Yeah. They go, oh, they're located in Western Sydney or they're located in Western Australia. <laughs> but not one second do they think Melbourne. Western like, Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. And then, yeah, bro, just the other clubs. I think the National Second Division will be good. Yeah. they just got to control and us Italians are bad for it. And same with like Eastern Europeans is like that, like that, um, hmm racist aspect of it oh for sure for sure but i think that that's an issue that football needs to be aware of like yeah yeah it's kind of it's been gnarly for years but that doesn't mean it's correct and because it's been around for years doesn't mean it's correct that's the other thing too there's a lot of clubs that are like so die hard on their heritage and stuff like that like when i was younger i wanted to play like a higher level i was playing in the nepean comp as you know big us nepean um, I, was pl- I was playing for Warradale, bro, because I grew up oh. out in Warragamba. So I was playing for them and like, no disrespect to Warragamba, but there's not a whole lot of people out there that play ball. So the level is whatever you get dealt. And I was playing and I wanted to try and play up. And there was a side that was one or two years above mine that was Div 1 and playing good ball. And they always wanted me to play up in their side. And I was like, yeah, sweet. And then my club was like, no, you can't do that because the Prez's son 
was in the team that I was supposed to be in. And like, not to be cocky, but we, we weren't doing too well when I didn't play. Let's just say yeah. that, right? So he was like, no, nah, I play in this. And I was like, no, nah, but I want to play with the, these boys. Like the level's better and stuff like that. He didn't want it. So my old man was like, oh, we'll, we'll go trial at these clubs. And I went and trialed at a few MPL clubs and, you know, ethnic background came into it and I was small. I wasn't like a dominant player in terms of size or anything like that. So I had speed, scored heaps of goals, but they were like, nah, sorry, mate. And then my old man was like, oh, what was the reason? Like, I thought he did really well in the trials. And they were just like, oh, we just don't think you'd be a good fit. And it's like, when you look at that, what's what's not a good fit? Like, I scored a bunch of goals, speed. Like, surely you can train up some other things. Like, I was like 10. You know what I mean? And they are like, nah, not a good fit. Like, don't want to bring him in. I was like, all right, whatever. Insane, eh? Just don't fit into the club. Like, the club, you know? Yeah. And that's the hard thing, bro. But it's football as well. Like, it is what it is. You, did you enjoy when you worked with um the I Want It Yesterday crew? Yeah. It was for the World Cup, hey? Yeah, yeah. How did you feel doing that, like covering football? For those who don't know, we should probably like... Yeah. <laughs> We've been yapping. The man in front of me um, came up in the scooter era of Western Sydney. The man who filmed it all is the man who owns the studio, Nikesh. Shout out to you. Love you, man. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of stayed in action sports, like snowboarding, which we yeah. like briefly touched on. Yeah. Um, football is merely like something I've just seen on your page. And yeah. That's why I was kind of talking. No, about. I'm a big football fan. It's just, it's just probably more in the background of my, my front facing life and stuff like that, I guess. Um, but I've eat, sleep and breathe it since I was younger. When I was 13 or whatever, I got into scootering. 12, 13, got into scootering and like you said, kind of blew up with the wave that came from Western Sydney. We had like one of the best riders in the world, Cody Donovan, come out of Jammo. So he popped off and we were just part of that crew, that entourage that kind of went with him. And then um, I went pro, I rode professionally for 10 years and then wrapped that up and then kind of moved into snowboarding, coaching and stuff like that. And I would now work with the camp and do like the media and marketing side of it so I can stay in that travel aspect. I didn't really want to let go of that lifestyle that I was kind of living and go live in an office job or something like that, be a tradie. So I kind of held on to that as long as I could. Well, I am holding on to it as long as I can now doing this snowboard camp stuff. But when I'm not doing that, man, yeah, I try to do as much in the football space or in the spaces that I'm passionate about, like anything action sports, anything football, anything Western Sydney, I try and get around it. So. Yeah. Bro, that – um. That's like that skating or scooter era or that skate park era around Jammo, Windsor, Glenbrook. Huge. Like what? You, Cody, Newbert. Yeah. Uh, is it Chris? Chris Hart, yeah. Royce. Yeah. And bro, there was another one down at Glenbrook. What was his name? Royce was like. Zach Everingham. There's there's heaps of people that yeah, come Evo. out of. Yeah, yeah, there's heaps uh, of people that come out of the mountains, bro. Yeah. Works uh, like. He works for Channel 9. Yeah. yeah. He's film, you know, in State of Origin, they did that, uh, Phil Gould did that epic speech and yeah. it's like filmed on the dolly cam. That's filmed by Evo. Yeah. I'm yeah. certain. I'm certain it's filmed by Evo. He's the guy that's on the, what are those things called? Yeah. Um, like the. Fuck, I can't even think of it. Like a trolley almost. like that, The wheels things. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, the hoverboard looking fucking thing with the camera, like going across the field. That's Evo. Oh, it's mad. Eh? It's mad that like there's two guys that came out of it and like Evo went. To the top of the mainstream media, yeah. and then you got Nick here who works with like like yeah. these type of companies yeah. and people. Worked with Russell Crowe, yeah. whatever, like wild. Insane, eh? And crazy to think about, it all started just as passions for us, and then hanging out with our homies. Like that's all it was. It was just going to the skate park with our friends. We all like cameras and kind of got into it. And I've gone one way, and Nick's gone one way, and you know all the other boys have gone other ways. And it's just crazy to think that like it just started out having a bit of fun. How old were you when you signed pro? 
my first pro deal was 2009, so I would have been 15. Oh, that's a fucking young age. Is that year nine? Yeah, but that's kind of like when the era just popped and I think I was just right place, right time. And I don't think the industry was old enough for there to be many older riders, if that makes sense. Like it was quite a young thing. Um, and that's something that we're dealing with as a sport right now. Like as it's shifting, like I'm 29 and I'm kind of looked at as like an old veteran. And if you think about any other sport, 29, you're like, what? You're not old? Like, yeah. But that's the way it is. So I'm one of the older guys. So now I'm the guy that's the judge and on the committee for this or whatever else. And yeah, it's weird to think about how fast you kind of go from being an athlete to like being someone in a boardroom or whatever else. But yeah. you're not even 30. Like. <laughs> Did you stay in school? Yeah, bro. I finished the whole thing. I didn't um I didn't do my HSC, which is the funniest thing. I did all of school, like kindy, year twelve, very last day. Was meant to sit my HSC and then I qualified for the first ever world championships that year. Um and I was a last chance qualifier. So I qualified like a week or two before it and it was bang smack in the middle of the HSC. And I went and spoke to my school and I was like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, you can kind of do whatever you want. They said, if you're going to sit the exams, like we have to go through the government and send them to England and you have to sit it in England because the comp was in England. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, like, is that going to be possible? And they're like, we'll have to find out. So they sent an email and they're like, no, nah, it's not possible because they can't send it digitally because they don't want anything to get leaked. So they literally were sending it like through the mail and it wouldn't have made it there in time and been to the embassy. And I had to sit it at the exact same time. So it would have been like two or three AM England time or whatever, exact same time. Everyone was sitting back here. So like there was no advantage or disadvantage or whatever else. And I was like, that's insane. So we ended up sacking it off and I just said, don't worry about it. I don't need it. And like, thankfully like my teachers and the principal even was like super supportive of that. They're like, you've been around here for a long time. Like you've done school and you've learned all this stuff, but like, it's not really you. Like a mark, whatever you get is not going to change your future. They're like, you really want to ride scooters, you want to travel, go and do it. This is a great opportunity. So took it and ran, bro. It was sick. So that's your first trip overseas? Nah, I was I was lucky enough to travel heaps. Like I said, my family's from the UK, so we went back and forth all the time. Um, but when I signed with Blunt and Envy in 2009, we were doing trips then. We went to the States, we went to South Africa, been to New Zealand, been to Europe a bunch. Like, yeah, we got around a bit. Wild, bro. Very lucky. Very blessed. So you're in high school and you're going, you're traveling for like work, essentially. 100%. Yeah, every, every year we went somewhere sick. And it was just like, oh, does it line up with school holidays? No. Can you take time off? I was always like, yeah, of course. So I just took some time off. and oh, That's insane. Yeah, it was wild. And like traveling for comps and stuff like that, sometimes you'd only go for 10 days or whatever. So you'd miss a week of school or whatever. But like it was always kind of like, well, what does it really matter? Like in the scheme of things, like I'm here every other day. Like do I have to do homework? Sure. Do I have an assignment? Sure. Like whatever. But it's school, man. It's not, it's not the be all or end all. So yeah. Bro, that's, that's fucking, that's so hard to fathom. I know. And I'm super grateful for it. Like I look back a lot now and I'm like, I really did live a life that not many people have got to experience or will get to experience in their time. So to say, you know, you got to go around the world paid for, yeah. I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Reminds me of like um, Benji Marshall. I'm pretty sure he got pulled out of year 12. Oh, I think he was at school when they told him you're playing. Yeah. And there was a guy called Ash Taylor who I think debuted at 16 for Titans. Yeah. Maybe. No, not Titans. Fuck. 
There's been a few over the years of like young people like getting yeah, the call Titans up and that. Debuted like two or three at the age of sixteen. Yeah, and yeah. They've but they've all been like pulled out of school on like a Thursday by yeah. the club. Yeah. To say you're playing like Friday night. Yeah. Like, there's been injury at training. Yeah. And it just reminds me of like your situation. Like you go from being in high school to being in front of like or traveling. Yeah. To do like. Calm to uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's so and the crazy thing is about all of it, bro. It's not like I was doing like a mainstream sport, like the NRL or something like that. Like I was riding a scooter, like yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I I know the novelty that that is, kind of thing. So it's just like fuck, that's insane. Where have you besides Antarctica? You would have been in every continent by now, hey? Yeah, the only one I'm like not really ticked off is South America. Where have you been? Or you have not been uh, there? Uh, I've, nah, I haven't been there. I had a layover there and I don't yeah. count that. So I'm like, I want to, I need to get outside the airport to count it kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, everywhere but Antarctica for riding a scooter and South America. Where would you, do you want to, for riding a scooter? Yeah. Or like anything, even if it's snowboarding. Yeah. Is there anywhere in South America that like. There is places in South America that snow, that have snow, but I'd, Argonia, hey. yeah, there's actually a few over there, but Chile and stuff like that yeah. as well. But I'd, I'd just love to go to somewhere either for me, probably Brazil, Argentina, purely football based. I'd love to go and yeah. see that culture. And like, there's a lot of Brazilians <coughs> in the Goldie where I live now. So you see the culture, bro, they're football mad. Like they're always at the beach kicking a ball and stuff like that. It's sick, but I'd love to go to like Rio or somewhere and just actually see what brazilian life is like you know they eat sleep breathe ball over there so there's a few bro there's like three kids in the city uh yeah that's what it's called that yeah. are aussie because their dads played um here in the a-league when it was like so you have like um oh one of them plays here now like you got bernard and Borges yeah. for yeah. Uh, macarthur yeah both their dads brazilian play for adelaide yeah but there's a few other brazilian guys that were here and then went back home but their kids were born here so there's technically a few Potential soccerers that yeah. are just complete Brazilian. Coming up, yeah. Yeah, it'd be mad. It's going to be interesting to see. I think that's one of the best things about Australia as well is it's like such a multicultural, diverse place that like you do have so many. Like you look at the national team now, man. You wouldn't have, if you thought of an Australian lineup five, I'd say 10 years ago, it was nowhere near as culturally diverse as it is now, which I think is a sick like representation Good of thing. the Aussie culture, like what actually is Aussie culture today. So, yeah, yeah. I love it. You mentioned South Africa earlier. Yeah. I listened to the other podcast. The, uh, the Maddie one. Yeah. Oh, Mayfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Those ones, that, yeah. Um, I heard the Yanji told. I want you to tell them again yeah. just for people listening. But anywhere else in Africa or not? Nah? No, nah, I've only been to South Africa. And it was Johannesburg, wasn't it? I've been to most of South Africa. Yeah. yeah. We toured around. We did a full tour there. <laughs> I want you to tell the fucking the the cop one, or the cop shot one. Yeah. And what was that, bro? What the fuck was the other one? Oh, the where the, the guy got murdered. Yeah, after. yeah. It's South Africa's a gnarly place, man. Like, and don't get me wrong, we grew up in the West. Like, I'm not exactly from money or or anything like that. But going over there was a real eye opener. Like, one side of the street, beautiful homes, like on the beach, like mansions, bro, millions and millions of dollars. On the other side of the street, shanty town, like trees, tin strapped to the roof, no floors, like no walls. It was eye-opening. And you saw the cultural sh- the cultural differences like in every exchange when you talk to someone, whatever else, like it was gnarly. But to get into those stories, I won't tell them as long as I did on Mayfield, but the first day we flew in, we were just chilling and we like 
whenever we would rock up somewhere, we always try and ride and like adjust the time straight away. So it kind of works with your jet lag because the worst thing you can do is go home and kick back, eat Airbnb or your hotel or whatever. And then next thing you know, you're asleep and you're cooked. So we're like, nah, we'll get outside, dropped our stuff off. And we couldn't actually check into the Airbnb that we'd hired. So we're like, we'll just go ride. And the guys that I was with, we were there to film a video um mainly in the streets not necessarily out of skate park kind of thing so we're like just looking for spots first day we like pull in near the beach and there's this hectic rail like one of the nicest perfect street rails you ever see like nice and small low consequence we're like mad adds up so we're just session this rail session this rail we're trying to get a couple of clips and it was good to like get the legs back and stuff like that but we're just you know first day we're all buzzing kind of oblivious to what's going on and this guy just comes past and we'd been sessioning this thing for half hour plus, like ages. He comes past, he's like, hey, bro, like, you know what you're riding? And we're like, nah, like, oh, is this, should we not be here or something? He's like, well, that's the cop shop. And we're all like, what do you mean? He's like, it's a police station. And we're like, oh, shit, like, no way. And we just didn't pick up. We didn't really like, there was no real signage or anything like that. And he's just like walked in. So I don't know if he was a, like, a cop or someone that worked in admin there or what but like this dude was so nonchalant about just like oh yeah it's the police station and like went on with his day and for being in south africa like that is not yeah. what i would expect <laughs> the reaction to be like i thought oh, we're gonna blow up like or whatever so we kind of got away with one we're like holy shit and we just like packed up and got out of there but it was such a sick spot like it was so nice i'd love to go back and ride the rail again but yeah. And then the other one, bro, which is gnarlier story, we were riding this um, spot in Joburg, Johannesburg, which if you guys don't know, Johannesburg is rated like one of the most violent cities in the world and it's gnarly. It's I'm pretty sure it, bro, moved up because El Salvador mm, and Honduras. They were the top for ages. But El Salvador definitely cleaned up. Yeah. They had a president come in and he said like, if you've done this, fuck you, you're in jail. Yeah. And basically made an economy out of jail, which is yeah. what America did. But like yeah. essentially, yeah, he cleaned up that country and then Honduras have introduced similar things to try and clean up their country. To try and do something. So I remember, I think I saw a list like two or three months ago and I'm pretty sure Johannesburg was in like top 10. Oh, I almost guarantee Chicago it. Chicago as well. It's gnarly. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, so we are in Joburg and um, we ended up being on this tour for a little while and we're just riding this spot and – one of the locals comes up to us and he's like, oh, I know you. And I'm like, do you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen you with Nitro Circus. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, yeah, you're mates with Ryan Williams. And I was like, yeah, I am. Like, we all are kind of thing. He's like, oh, sick, sick. So just having that like in with a local skater kind of thing, we're like, like sweet. It's always good to know a local or to get the the inside scoop to like spots or whatever else. So he tipped us off about this spot. He's like, look, it's an abandoned building kind of thing. You go there. Um, if anyone asks, like, say, you know, this name, supposedly there was like an owner of the property and he like demolished it or whatever, however he kind of come about the property, but he was going to do something, didn't do it. And it just got turned into like a DIY skate setup. And he kind of was like, oh, well, they're not doing anything wrong. Like I'll just keep it going. But he didn't want heaps of people going there. So supposedly he had to go to the building, ask for permission from this guy or whatever. So he was like, just name drop this dude. If any like seckies or anything come like, all right, sweet. So we just went and rode there and like one of the funnest places I've ever ridden in my life. Like so many different features and rails and everything like that. And it's kind of like rugged for people that don't know what a DIY spot is. It's like built by skaters. It's not an official skate park. There's definitely no help from the government or local councils or whatever else. Like it's sketchy. And usually like they're the funnest kind of things because it looks 
gnarlier than what a lot of it is sometimes. So like clip wise and photo wise, it looks really cool. It looks rugged and whatever. So we rock up there. We end up filming heaps of clips and I was just grinding, trying to get heaps of stuff done. So with the other boys and this Seki rocks up and he's like, boys, what he's doing here with like name drop. He's like, oh yeah, kind of whatever. And he kind of like darts off. We're like, sweet, we're all good. Keep filming, keep filming. Next thing you know, another Seki comes running. He's like, you got to go, you got to go. And we're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, he's like, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. I'm like, we just spoke to the other guy. We're all sweet. Like, nah, we're chilling. And the French boys that I'm on tour with, they don't really speak the best English. So they're kind of like, yeah, just like, whatever. Like, and they're just pissing about. And the guy's like, no, nah, you got to go now. Like, this is gangland. This is gangland. And we're like, what do you mean it's gangland? Like, no, nah, it's owned by this guy. He's like, no, nah, this is gangland area. Like, you got to get out of here. And we're like, fuck. And he's screaming bloody murder. Like, he's going on about all this stuff. And yeah. we were just like, yeah, dude. Like, all right, man, whatever. Like, we'll battle, we'll battle. The French boys are trying to talk to him. I'm like, just leave it. Like, he wants us to go. Like, best thing to do if you're getting kicked out of the spot is just leave. Yeah. Just stops the issues, right? So we end up leaving and we are kind of rattled like a weird thing like he was going nuts next thing you know we wake up the next morning and that spot's like on the news and it was like a, there was a murder there and we were like what the fuck like this guy's kicking us out kind of thing because he's screaming it's gangland like there's people that get killed here and all this stuff and we thought he was like just having us on a little bit trying to kick us out of the spot and it ends up turning out that there was a murder there literally that evening that we were there so we're like fuck thank god we got out of there we looked into it and we spoke to a few people like afterwards and stuff like that. And it's a really like notorious gangland area and there's heaps of killings and stuff there. It's just like because it is abandoned and there's not a lot of people, that's why they have the security there to try and prevent things like that happening or whatever else. But it's like so overrun as soon as it goes nighttime, like, yeah, oh the place wow. changes. Like imagine just a spot here, you know, like – there's a DIY spot, Emmy Drains. Like imagine you go to Emmy Drains as soon as it goes 6 p.m., bro, you're out of there because it turns into like gnarly gangland area. Like yeah. it's crazy to think about because we were there in the day having the chillest time. Like we were there for hours. So for an Aussie to think that like something can get that gnarly that quick is insane. Yeah, rattled me. South Africa. Yeah. I'm very ignorant. I've never been, never. Apartheid. Does that like still have like a somewhat an effect down there or is it just a massive gap between like the rich and the poor You're talking about the race issue yeah. yeah bro it's is it still bad from what i experienced there yeah um we were there years ago wait for those who don't know apartheid was like a complete divide of the country black and white um because yeah. white south africans are dutch i believe so yeah. yeah dutch colony and then yeah you have your dark south africans who are yeah native and it was a massive divide. Then you have yeah. um, Mandela come along, yeah. do his best. But yeah, so essentially there was like a civil war. Yeah, it w it was gnarly too because even when we were there, there was a lot of there's a lot of places that I I don't want to say it's like fully segregated where it's like black people couldn't go, but it was very evidently like white. Yeah, in certain places, and then the other way, which is crazy because like coming from Australia and like we we're talking about before, like I'm from Western Sydney, which is such a like diverse ethnic area like you have someone of every ethnicity out here it was nuts to see like just going to that but even like where i where i went to school out here in camden like that's a very white area in sydney but then i'd come to penrith and ride with the boys and kind of grow up more again or whatever else and there's so many different cultures there but like you go to certain places around the world and you see 
if you open your eyes enough, you can realize like even the Gold Coast, man, the Goldie's very white. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you only realize it when you like, look, you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's weird coming from out West here. For yeah. sure, so. You mentioned, uh, when you're in Johannesburg, you had like one side of the street was rich, one yeah. side like poor. We were in London, we landed and I went, we went out and we were just walking around like all the bridges and like, um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Like, um, fuck, what's the clock called? Ben. Big Ben, the Thames. <laughs> yeah. Walking around the Thames, yeah. Yeah, much of a much just to me. I was just happy to be there. And we're just kind of on those buses or whatever, just fucking around because yeah. that's how we can take you the next day. Anyway, I walked through and I realized we're like essentially at Ladbroke Grove. Yeah. Now, like, do you know who's like, yeah. Digger D, AJ, AJ Tracy, yeah. and Central C. Yeah. For those listening, it's a housing commission. So we're like walking around and we can see that in like, I can see it in the distance. And I said to the boys, they, don't listen to UK raps. Yeah. Like not on it. Yeah. But I'm like looking at it and then behind me goes like in, in the street goes that way and that way. And then you've got Ladbroke Grove here. And then on that side of the street, you literally have like millionaires row. Yeah. And then facing them is housing commission. Yeah. And then another millionaires row, more housing commission. I'm pretty sure Grenfell where the tower Grenfell, fell, yeah. is around there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, bro, I, I was like, I was just shocked. Eh? Cause I, there was no other city we went to, bro. That was like, Cause we stayed in the hood in Paris, but in like the hood there, we're in the hood. There yeah. was no the rich. There was no rich around. It's a fool, yeah. Yeah. Whereas like London, I'd never seen anything like that where you go from like money to like legit housing commission to money again, housing commission again. Yeah, it's insane to see. Eh? The thing that we have in Australia is space, whereas like they don't really have that. So that's why it's so close, man. And you ha- you see the divide, like you know. You know, you look at footballer money and stuff and they'll like take you to the parks that they grew up in and it's like two minutes from where they live now and you're like, how does that make sense? Like you're yeah. making you know, 100,000 pounds a week or whatever. Stupid money. Yeah. Back in the day, you were struggling to make 100 pounds a week and yeah, families making ends meet. But yeah. it's crazy like that over there. And there is a big divide. Like the UK I find is, I don't want to like put it in, into one box, but there's a lot of working class people that make up a big part of, British culture and stuff like that, which we can relate to here in Australia. Like there's, there's not a lot of people up the top. It's the same in the States as well. I guess it's most places that there's not a lot of countries that are like just all balling out or have a very high wage set up or whatever, but it's all that middle ground. And that's where I think the best culture is, especially if you're a tourist anyway, you find the local spots and shit. Like I'm about to go to Japan tomorrow and everyone's told me like, bring cash. And I'm like, what do you mean? Bring cash. Like, can't I just tap my phone or whatever else and they're like nah the best restaurants and stuff like that are all little family ones and they're cash only and that it's all locals so i'm like, it's like oh, our bakeries. yeah bro 100 percent. you go you know a bakery is good when you go in there and it's like some little asian family or something like that and it's just off its head super cheap and you're like oh this is gonna bang yeah like, <laughs> bro japan will be mad yeah i'm keen that'll be I'm sick so where are you going i'm going to a place called miyoko um which yeah, it's just on the west side a little bit. It's in the South Island, but um, just a snow town, bro. Super small snow town. Flying to Tokyo, get a bullet train out there, which I'm pretty keen for the bullet train, just to tick that off. Um, and then I'm going to end up back in Tokyo, spend a few days there before I fly back. So, But could go to, uh, there's a little music festival over there. I'm um, trying to get out to it. It's called Snow Machine. It's run by a bunch of Aussies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're in Hackabar. So, you know, could you get to see Diplo and stuff like that on the slopes, which would be sick. Like, it's, it's there's heaps of Aussie there. I know heaps of people going. But it's just like, yeah, it's Aussie Run Festival, really popular Aussie snow destination. 
Um, so I'm just going to go link up with some homies and hopefully rip some turns. But it's hot over there right now. Like this week's been like 15, 15 degrees at the snow, which for people that aren't aware, is not good. Like yeah, you want, it's, it's like zero minus one minus five is usually where it's good. Even like three degrees, four degrees doesn't feel like three or four degrees would for us up here at the snow. That's like a warmer temp for sure. And you kit it up, you know, like you got your layers on, you feel the cold or you feel the heat if you don't have that kind of preparation. But when you're there, like three degrees is a t-shirt weather, bro. Yeah. You got your underlayers on and chilling. So I'm keen. So keen. Fuck. Yeah, well, I'm pumped. If it, with it being that hot, does it affect like the daily riding and whatnot? Yeah, so everyone's been like posting clips of it like melting and whatever else. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they get a little dump or it doesn't go too bad. But most places like Japan and stuff like that, they get a really strong base layer. Whereas if that was happening in Australia, we'd be a lot more scared. We don't get enough base, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when, the, when they black... Because a lot of the snow is man-made no matter where you go. Um, but in places like Japan, the snow's like softer. That's why everyone goes there to ride power. So it kind of like dissolves differently and whatever else. The base like compounds up and usually it'll be like so-and-so meters or whatever. But if you don't have the best start to the season, you don't build up that base or whatever, things like this can just like ruin it. And like two weeks, could be no snow. I don't think there will be, but like it's kind of getting like that. That's insane. Yeah, the whole northern hemisphere is struggling though. Like Canada's struggling, the US is struggling. Yeah. So hopefully it's, it's What's the big one in Canada that everyone goes to? Whistler or Banff? Banff. Yeah. yeah. Banff, yeah. Do you ever go to those two? Oh so I've been to Whistler. I haven't been to Banff. Yeah. I was supposed to go uh, after this trip to Japan. So we do with the snowboard camps, we do like three or four international trips a year. And the concept is that we take Aussies to chase wind around the world. So our big camp, which is like our four to six week camp, um, we do in January. So it's like school holiday time. We take a bunch of kids. We used to go to the States. Um, this year we've gone to Italy, gone to Europe. Well, then we come back. So that's for Northern Hemi winter. For Northern Hemi spring, which is like the back end of the snow season, um, you know, sunny days kind of thing, we would usually go to Whistler for like two weeks. Whistler's struggling super hard, so we're not sure if that's going to happen. But I was planning on going Whistler – I've got uh, my old housemates just moved over to Big White. So I've got some mates in Big White, I've got some mates in Banff. And I was like, oh, I'll go to Wiss and then I'll go on like a week and a half, two week little road trip and go visit the other resorts and stuff like that. And it is not looking likely right now. So we might be changing up. But, What's yeah. it like traveling the world for a job? It's sick when someone else is paying for it. It's yeah. hectic. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, it sucks to kind of build routine and stuff like that, I think. Like when I come back to Australia, like I had this week or so here um, and just, I haven't really done much, bro. I've done like a lot of life admin and whatever else and just following up on stuff, but catch up with some old mates and whatever. But once you've done that, you're like, well, what do I do? And like people probably think, what are you talking about? If I had a day off, I'd do this, I'd do that and do whatever. But when you travel or whatever for work, like sometimes it takes a few days to readjust. Like when I come back this time, I got really sick. Um, so that took like four or five days of just like feeling rubbish, not wanting to do anything. Then I caught up with all my mates after that. So it's it's got its pros for sure. Like you see a lot of world and it's you live out of a suitcase and that's a pro, but then there's the con that you live out of a suitcase and there's no home base sometimes. And yeah, I, d I just think the, the routine of it and like even relationships and stuff like that, I think it's hard because like I, I have kind of no interest or not no interest, but like, have no real desire to like 
jump in one because I'm like, oh, well, my year looks like this right now. So, like, what kind of commitments would I have to make, yeah. you know, to have a healthy relationship? And sure, some people would be like, yeah, that'd be sick if my partner went away all the time. But I'm like, I don't think you understand how much, like, time I spend away. Like, we were working it out the other day with my mate at dinner. January, I spent the whole month in Italy. I come back here for, I've been here for a week and a half or whatever. I'm going to Japan for two weeks. So I go to Japan. So that's February, done. I get back in early March. In March, we've got some camps that we're doing in Australia. So although I'm in Oz, I'm not actually at home. Like I'm away at the camp. Yeah. Um, then that, that'll do March. That'll wrap that up pretty quick. I think I might get like a week or so at home. Um, April, we do airbag camp down in Jindawan, which is like a, we've got a training facility that the government built down there, a massive airbag jump. Um, so we do a week camp there. Then we go on our spring overseas camp, Northern Hemi camp. So we'll go to Canada, might go back to Japan. We could go like Finland or somewhere in Europe that's got snow. Um, we'll do that. So then I get back for May. May is like my one month where I'm like in Oz usually, always. Um, then June will be like down at the snow. We're based there. Um, we've got a program at Threadbow called Mountain Academy. So that runs from like middle to the end of June all the way through to like September. So we do that. Then we usually go to New Zealand. Once that's done, like October, we look to see if there's anywhere like kicking off a camp. Sometimes there's like a glacier camp or something like that. Like somewhere random in Sarsfay in Switzerland. Like it, it keeps going, bro. And this is the thing. I'm like, where's the time to nurture something or to do whatever or for me it's like even building a business and stuff like I find it really hard I had like a social media business and whatever else I found it really hard to like maintain clients and stuff I'm like yeah sweet I can do everything when I'm back but when I'm not here like you need to understand I can't be in there to make content or I can't come to meetings or I can't do whatever and just like it kicked off sweet and I had a bunch of clients that I was working with and then I ended up just saying to a few of them like I'm too busy with this other stuff to really like service you properly right now, I can recommend you to someone else or I can do this or I can get someone to come and shoot and just finding ways to make it work. But that's been the biggest struggle, bro, because it's such like a on and off kind of thing. Like it's not really consistent. It's not like we just live overseas, but we pretty much live out of a board bag. So That's insane. It's nuts, bro. It's, it's insane nuts. schedule. Fuck yeah. me. That would be but it's sick at the same time. Like yeah. not complaining about it in any in any shape or form. And the thing is too, like, you know, all it takes is for one thing to go wrong and it kind of puts a spanner in the works, an injury or whatever else. You know, I'm not to say I'm no good if I'm broken, but like obviously I'm not as mobile and sometimes you can't snowboard and that's like a massive part of it, whether that's through the coaching or filming and stuff when I'm over there, like no good getting around if you're hopping around. I'm no good to them, so. When you were year nine, you're on the scooter. Yeah. Did you ever envision your life to go down this route of like you'd go into snowboarding and like different aspects? Or did I don't know, I'd say kind of. Like I knew I was going to do something in action sports. My biggest thing was, and if you look back at like, you know, in high school, you I don't know if you did it at your school. We did it at mine. It's like where we been 10 years kind of thing. And like did oh, a yeah. yearbook kind of thing. What the fuck did I, I said I would be like on TV or on radio or something like that. And to – some points I've done it, like with the World Cup thing and yeah. I've done a few other shows and stuff. I've, I've loved media for a long, long time. Um, and I think that that space has just changed. So doing social media and whatever else kind of was the path that I was heading. I just didn't know what way the world was going to turn, you know. Um, but other than that, man, I always wanted to be an athlete. I was always sporty and stuff. So to kind of merge those worlds, is, 
I guess I did know where I was headed, but I don't. I would say now I don't know where I'm going. I think the world. I saw a thing on Instagram. Do you think that's exciting? Yeah, it can be, but I also am a stressor, and that's the funniest part, man. I live such a loose, nomadic, like gypsy lifestyle, and you wouldn't assume it because I do kind of just go like, oh, whatever, and get on with it. But like, I'm a stressor. I like routine. I like certain things like that. Like, yeah, I, I find when I don't know what's going on, I'm nervous. I'm wigging. So, yeah. like the littlest things, bro. I'm going to Japan and like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing for the two weeks. Like I know that I'm rolling into Japan. I'm catch up with some mates in Tokyo that are flying in like the day before or just rolling into town. They've got different things going on there. So I'm going to catch up with some mates in Tokyo for that day. Then get the bullet train out in the night and then catching up with some mates like at their joint. They own a place in Miyoko. Stay with them and then the rest of it, I haven't booked a thing. So, like, I'm just, like, winging it, you know, from there, like. Yeah, right. I understand that. I understand that. Like, some people, you know, when you go on, like, a Contiki or whatever, you're like, oh, it's all booked and I'm yeah. good to go. I'm going on this trip and it's all paid for. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'll figure it out when I get yeah. there or I'll figure it out when it comes. And going to a place like Japan, I'm kind of nervous because they obviously speak English and stuff and it's a very advanced country. But they're so culturally different to a lot of the world. Like, they've got a very rich culture of respect and things like that and i'm just like i'm always cautious of that i want to respect it and i want to enjoy the culture as much as i can so it's like i don't want to go there unprepared and just be like that ignorant foreigner or or even just getting lost like looking at a sign over there is way different than looking at a sign in the uk where you can read it you know hundred we're in uh we're in germany and we're first servo on like <laughs> fuck we're on the bus Pardon? On off that autobahn, yeah, 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 yeah. So first servo we've pulled into, um, in it on our way to where the fuck are we going? Oh, Berlin, yeah, Berlin's like insane, a wild yeah. place, yeah, bro, <laughs> nuts. Two of the girls were with went to Kit Kat, yeah. We went to Tressor. My mate, my best mate in the whole fucking world. He knows who you are. He grew up in the same. Oh, did you, did you go to Glenbrook much? Yeah, I remember. Like with Jacob Field, he would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll so remember. His brother's my best mate. Yeah, right? see. Jace, uh, Jacob had like um these JD Bugs are cool videos that did well on YouTube. Yeah, Ooh, fucking weird. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so we we we're going to Tressor that night, and we're told we're staying across from it. We're told all black, like yeah, give a fuck who you are. You could be the richest, hottest man in the world. Doesn't matter. You have to be in all black. That's minimum. Yeah, yeah. and try and yeah, spice it up. But yeah, all black. Just start with that. So anyway, I, like we're we're fucking out of our suitcase Australian. So they know we're not going to be the most fashionable people, but all black shorts, black tee, sweet, you can come in. Yeah. We're in the line and Field is worn like this fucking dark grey shirt with like the rest being all black. <laughs> it's like 1am and he just, and then he gets to the door and they just looked at him and nah, he just, he just goes like, why? He goes, all black. Yeah. He, he, he just fucking went back into the room. We went into Tressor. For those listening, you have like, um, did you, ever, did you go in there by any chance? Nah. So you have like, imagine like a three level factory. And then you have the underground as well. Yeah. So you'd go, you have the stairs on the side. So you can go first level, second level, third level. And then you could go underground. And when you walked, it's like an old like cobble um, yeah, thing. Yeah. Everything's cobble. It's fucking insane. It's like um, it's like walking through like a war tunnel. Yeah. And it's just smoke everywhere. Like dro- all the drugs are yeah, like, everywhere. Yeah. Like everyone's smoking darts, weed, whatever. Yeah. And you're walking through and then there's this one room at the end of this tunnel to the left. And you walk in and it's actually pitch black. 
And it's a mad, bro, it's one of the funnest nights of my life. I was about to say, I bet it was yeah, sick, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't do drugs the as well. dungeon, yeah. Sick. But yeah, like um, we went in there and there's like this, oh, bro, it's legit this long and like as thin as can be strobe light that would ping around the room. And they did that for like safety reasons. Yeah. Of like the idea that you can still try and grab someone like if they're in front of you or whatever, blah, blah. Yeah. And we were with two girls from Kentucky and then there was three of us in there. And we went in and we were in there for three hours. And just by act, like actual chance, the strobe light hit one of them after like when we were about to leave. And then we could see where they were. We just had to like keep making our way through and hoping the strobe light kept like Catch hitting up them. Catch up them, yeah. Bro, it was insane. Yeah. But we were at the three levels. Poor field, he didn't get in. But back to the original story. We're on the um, thing on the at the servo. We get to the servo and the girl, some of the girls in the Kentucky they tried to speak the languages to people. Yeah. Which is like respectful. But if they – if if you're going traveling, learn like thank you. That's I, I reckon like that's yeah. the hello and thank you is the yeah. big ones. Yeah. Because if they start a conversation, you've got nowhere to go. But if you can say thank you and hello in any language, yeah, yeah. you get respect. These girls try to speak German and this girl just goes, nah, don't even start. We all speak English. And the girl's like just full stunted. And then she was like, don't try it, don't start. Eastern Europe is kind of like that though. And they, they don't give a fuck. But <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things where, yeah, that's, I've got, oh, I don't know where my phone is. I'll get it out. I'll read it to you because it's pretty funny. I've um a lot of the kids that come on the camp are pretty well travelled, but there's this one kid Jay, and his parents are Japanese. They own a place over there. He spends a lot of time over there. And I said to him, I was like, Jay, teach me some Japanese. So he was like writing stuff on my phone, and I was like, Are you writing it how it's written or how it sounds? Because if I forget it, I want to know how it sounds, not how it's written. I'm like, I'm not going to write someone a letter kind of thing. You know what I mean? I can Google translate it or whatever if I need to. He's like, Yeah. yeah. So I've got my list and it's like, hello, goodbye, rah, rah, rah. And then he's like, what do you, what's important? And I was like, I don't know, anything. Just like whatever I might go through for my day. So I know how to say breakfast, lunch, dinner. I want to go to the toilet. Where is the toilet? I'm hungry. Cheers, mate. Um, thank you. Love your work. What else have I got? I've got, like, I got like random things. The love your work one's funny. So the love your work one is, otsukare samades, which they said if you say that to like, an elderly Japanese person or something like that or someone that's doing a service for you, that's a very Japanese way to say like thank you and actually be like appreciative. Like yeah. not just say it kind of as you're like passing, like just say it and be genuine. They're like if you say that, they'll be really impressed because that's like a, a warm cultural greeting or thing to yeah. say or whatever else. So I was like, all right, sick. And then I was saying that to one of my other mates who had done a few seasons over there. And I was like, oh, I want to know things that like if I said it, they wouldn't expect me to say it because I'm gauging, which is like yeah. white Westerner or whatever. <clears throat> so he goes, all right, if someone says to you, Genki Deska, which is like, how are you? It's like yeah. easy greeting. He's like, I want you to say back to them, Monday Neo. And I'm like, all right, what's that mean? And he goes, fucking ripping. And I was like, <laughs> what? And he goes, they will not expect you to say that because it's like a Japanese way to just say what's like, saying? I'm having a sick time, like yeah. whatever else. So he's like, if you just randomly drop Mondane or, or like, yeah, he's yeah. like, but give it some. He's like, they will lose it. So I'm going to test that out. And if it works, I'll send you the clip. Yeah. But um, I'm keen. It's always like interesting. I've I've even like just being myself, I'm like, oh, sumimasen, which is like, excuse me. I want to know how to say those little things where, you know, they're not going to just be like this guy. Yeah. And traveling with the board bag, I don't know if you guys know what it is. It's like a 180 or 170 centimeter long bag. Yeah. Like they're not exactly small. It's long. It's heavy. Like they're so awkward in public transport and stuff like that. And I don't know if you know about Japanese public transport, but it's like, 
single file lines. Like they're yeah. super polite. Like you don't take up your space. There's like no talking on the trains pretty much or very minimal talking that like, they keep it really quiet and stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be that guy with like the big board bag on. Hey, yeah, yawn. Like put it up the top in the aisle. Don't mind me, mate. Yeah, just jump in this unreserved seat or whatever, and it's someone's seat. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to. Yeah, that'll be good, man. Oh, I'm keen. And it's like my one of those places. It's on my bucket list that I haven't been to. Like we were talking about before. Very fortunate to have travelled, but there's a few places around the world which I'm like love to tick that off. And that was one of them. So when the opportunity come to just kind of go over there, I was like. Yeah. Where do I sign? Like, let's do it. So. That's fucking mad. We were in, um, I went to Tomorrowland. And we were Hectic, at Tomorrowland eh? and we were camping. And, um, like, the boys met these boys in line for showers or whatever. And then they're like, oh, we're having a barbecue. This is where we're at. So, like, have you been to Tomorrowland? No, I haven't been, but my ex girlfriend from a few years ago went. And then all of my mates have gone. And it just, it's in like the worst timing for me because it's like the winter, yeah. obviously. So, I never actually went, but I'm, Super aware of it. Like I'm wrapped. I've pretty much been there th- through other people, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 100. And you have like, so you have like big, how do I explain it? You have like, for those listening, you have like a boardwalk all the way through like the camping. Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> so essentially as the boardwalk like goes off in different directions, you create like squares of camping. Yeah. And in each square would be like, there'll be a big pole that has like T8 and it's a yellow one. So that's like, if you're lost, you go yellow T8 and someone's like, yeah. Yeah, it's like one. a parking garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're like staying at the one next to us. Anyway, they come over and we've every spot has like barbecues and stuff like that. And we're talking to them and one of them had traveled a bit of Australia, like he did Byron and all that. Yeah. And bro, they could not fathom the fact, like if I, I said to them, I was like, um, if I, if like, cause they were asking about like the C word. Yeah. And I was going, oh yeah, like mad C, like, like that's, we, we love you. Like I'll yeah. tell if, if I left this place right now and I, me and the boys walking back, I go, oh yeah, they're mad, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then I said to them, I was like, if we're in public and say I've had a fight with someone before, yeah. my mate will turn to me and go, oh, there's old mate. Yeah. And they couldn't, bro, they couldn't, like, they couldn't even fathom the fact of, like, someone you despise is met with His sincere mate. terms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then someone, it. <laughs> someone we love is met with, like, the worst words to them. It's wild, hey. Yeah. But that's, that's Aussie culture. And I think that comes down to us, like, always taking the piss. And, like, we're very, like... Have you ever seen that Carl Barron skit? And it's like, hey, gone, not bad. Yeah. Like we don't we don't answer things very seriously, and I think that's part of our culture. So I think it's just one of those things where we say the reverse for the banter, and then it's just become such an ingrained part of like our culture that yeah, if someone is a legend, you do call them a mad dog or whatever. Yeah. Like, and you know, or the other way, it's like, watch it, mate. Like, <laughs> mate comes out. I know they. I don't know they don't grasp that well for sure because I say it all the time and like. You know, I'm from the West, bro. I've got a bit of a potty mouth here and there. And being from the skate park, it's not exactly the most eloquent place. Like, we're not exactly <laughs> posh, yeah. yeah. So, we, I remember this one story. We are in um, San Diego, first trip over there for scooter trip. And two of the boys, Max and Brennan, we were, like, warming up for this comp. Um, and in their heat, you would, go, like, go out and whatever else. And you were just in random heats. I was in a different heat. But these two were in the same heat. And they, like, snaked each other and, like, almost rode into each other. And they were like just mucking around and he's like, watch out, I can't like yeah. rah, rah, taking the piss like and they're giggling to it or whatever. And my boss like looks around and all of the parents at this comp and like other sponsors and stuff were like mortified. Like they were like, what did he just say to him? And they're just laughing and then they're yelling at each other like, gosh, guys, like get out of the way, you fucking dickhead. Like <laughs> yeah. laughing about it, right? 
I'm trying to practice here, like just taking the piss. We didn't realize, but we like rattled some feathers so hard. And my boss is like, what are you two dumb cunts doing? Like yelling out to him, like, take this seriously. Like, oh, there we're just giggling. After the comp, one of the guys was like, oh, boys, like you just got to watch your language. We're like, oh, sorry. Like we didn't even click. Like it's such a casual thing at the skate park here in Australia that we didn't even think for one second, like that it wouldn't be well received. Yeah. And now every time I go back, I'm like really like, right, watch what you say. And like all the US writers know when they talk to Aussies, they've figured the whole C word thing out for sure. They love it and they rinse it when they come here. It's, it's like, big taboo over there. Yeah. Like they're like, we, it's like, it's like getting told when you're a kid that you could swear or something like that. Like you're not allowed to do it. So you like repent. And then the moment that you are allowed, you just unleash every second word. So when they come here, they like, they take it hard. Yeah. They run with it. And like they're like it doesn't come out right because they're not comfortable with saying it as well. So they'll say it in like the wrong context and like the wrong tone. You're like, oh no, it's not really the same shit. Especially Yanks, bro. Fuck, yeah. they miss the marks. Oh, they're so funny. They're a funny Interesting people. bunch, eh? Yeah. Interesting bunch. With your Johannesburg stories, yeah. was there anywhere in America that you had something sim- like similar? Sti- yeah, like we had some stuff in Compton and stuff like that. Like when oh, the first time, well, that same trip actually, the first time we went there. I'd been to the States prior to that. Yeah. I did an exchange student program there um, in San Diego. But then when we come back, it was like a year later with the scooter thing. So I'd already been there. I'd already seen like some of the sites and stuff like that. But I was like, I want to go to Compton. And all the boys were like, yeah, Compton. We all grew up on NWA and like all the rappers and stuff like that. So when we think of LA, like all we thought of was Compton. And so we're like, oh, let's go to Compton. We went through there and that was one of the sketchiest places I've ever been. And like I've been back to LA a lot and there's a famous scooter shop called The Vault, which is in Inglewood, just outside of like the Compton yeah. kind of zone. Um, and like every time I go back there, like I'm just remind myself like this is the States. A lot of people have guns, whatever else. But I just remember one time, that first time when we were driving down through Compton, we're in like a black SUV kind of thing. And we were like, yeah, let's like turn down here, like full rental car or whatever else. Let's go down Compton. And like we turned in there and there's just like gangs and gangs of people like just out on the streets. You know, they kind of like hang out on the sidewalk yeah. and shit. We were just driving down there and we're, I didn't click. Like we look back now and it makes so much sense, but like we're just a bunch of dudes jammed in this blacked out SUV, like just cruising down the middle, like rolling slow, like where are we? Kind of soaking in the sights, and they would have just been thinking, like, well, who is this and what's going on? Like, yeah. you've seen all the movies and shit like that, and we're like, fuck, get us out of here, kind of thing. And I've had a few other things happen over there, like little things, like just people pulling guns and shit. Like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm packing, on, yeah. I'm packing, like not necessarily pulled it out, but like in this, like in the region that we've been in, or like we've been out of shops, and you've seen something in the car park, these dudes getting in an argument or whatever else, and you're like, what the going on but i just try and avoid as much chaos as i can when i'm in la and in the states because yeah the whole packing thing is like you don't see that anywhere else in the world really america's the only place that hasn't so really grabbed like they just haven't grappled the fact that like guns and violence do relate to each other like yeah. they can't comprehend yeah, that yeah um, etched in hundred percent. I've talked to a lot of them as well. Like from being an Aussie, they, they ask, they're like, Oh, what's it like not having guns? And what's this? And I'm like, dude, we just don't know any different now. Like I never grew up with it. So it's not like I've lost something. You know what I mean? I can't imagine having them. Um, but yeah. Have you ever seen, um, is it, oh, what's his name? Jack Jeffrey? No. 
Yeah. Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries, the comedian. Yeah. Have you ever seen that thing on guns with him? It's so true, man. Yeah. Like, it's so true. It's like, you know, I've got this fucking angry, depressed person going through some shit and it's like, oh, I've got a great idea. Let's give, fucking give them access to guns. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense, man, when you're in those situations. Like, and they're just like, yeah, everyone should have a gun. Like, fuck. They're too far gone, but... I, I think so. Thing, eh? I think so. And I think the thing is... Couldn't do what Johnny Howard did. Nah, I think the thing over there is that... And fuck, we're not going to, you know, pretend we know shit about yeah, American politics, bro. But like at the same time, I think the thing over there is like it's such a political voting thing that like a lot of people jump on board the gun train to get votes and stuff like that. And then the same way the people that say like, no, 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 they're obviously cautious that they might lose a lot of votes by going against it. So I think a lot of the people in power are hesitant to make those moves because it might mean getting sacked or getting the job or whatever else. So, yeah. But to us, it seems like, how does that even com- compare like lives over fucking guns? I don't know. I'm so, I'm going in 2026 for the World Cup. I've got like an account set. Yeah. To put money into it. Yeah. So I'm going. But it's like, it's a bit of like a thought in my head still. You been in the States for now? No. It's sweet. I'd imagine it'll be I, awesome. Like, I'll love it. Like, how do I word it? It's the, it's the pinnacle of like the free market, so to speak. So yeah. there's like cool shit to do in terms of like going to Walmart, all that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And obviously it's beautiful as well, naturally. Yeah. And also Canada, Mexico, I'm very keen for. Yeah. But <clears throat> the idea, like Kansas City at the parade the other day, like yeah. people got shot. So there's like an idea of like, what, like yeah, do you know what I mean? The, the way I look at it is, bro, like you think about Panthers, right? Three P. We're in Western Sydney. The Australian media and like the Australian public talk about Western Sydney like it's such a rough place and whatever else. Yeah, true. Bro, I didn't hear one bad thing come out of that. Like there was nothing. And I could be wrong. Maybe there was an instance, but I didn't hear about any of it. And like, you know, I think about that. I'm like, how do we go through events like that in one of the roughest areas with so many people and nothing really goes wrong? And then it's like you have Super Bowl and the Chiefs and whatever else. And Kansas isn't exactly the roughest place. Like, and they have shit like this. And not to say that that's like the people of Kansas or whatever. Like, it's obviously like a very rare thing, kind of, in a sense. Like, they have so many shootings over there, but like, it's such a... I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to put everyone in that in that yeah. group, you know. But like, how does that shit happen all the time, and it hasn't kicked something off? Whereas, it just doesn't happen here. Like, yeah. it's the it's the access to it, bro, for sure. If there's no access to it, you wouldn't have half these problems. Like, yeah. and fuck, man, I've seen that many people punch on. Like, you know, we had the UFC uh, on before, I, but like, <laughs> yeah. you don't exactly see it go as far as like a, if you pull a gun out, man, you. Should, can pull that trigger there's a good chance someone's dead like yeah so yeah. Right, i always think about like growing up i grew up in wimberley yeah so punch is not really happening there but when you grow up going to the plaza every thursday night there was some that went viral on facebook 100 percent. like um fuck there was one where it was xavier college boys and dom's boys Dom's, i was that say i know this that one. was a big one they were my nah two years older than me yeah massive scrap in the food yeah court. it's like obviously they're kids at the time but i also saw like as I got older, out the front of the red cow, because um, when I was 21, I was out most weekends, like yeah. from 18 to 21. So like cow, panthers especially. Yeah. Where's some of the other spots? Like, oh, our colonial at Warrington. I've seen like fucking punch-ons, punch-ons, punch-ons yeah, all yeah. the time. And I always think like in America, that escalates so quickly. Whereas like these two guys are just fucking go home. Yeah. And There's usually that's where it ends up. And, you know, if, if the cops 
happen to be around or whatever, they might get involved. But it's a lot of the time it doesn't even get that yeah. that far. Whereas you think about like someone's getting shot, like the cops are there and whatever else. And it's nuts to us to think that, that happens. And, you know, none of, we're not promoting violence, but like I'd much prefer to see two people just punch on than someone pull a gun and next thing you know that story's written. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, insane, eh? Wild to think about. Any other sketch stories from anywhere else? We've had a few, bro. We had... um. When we were in Europe one year, we were on tour and we stopped in at Prague. The place is insane. Fuck, it's gorgeous, I reckon. Hectic. I love it. Hectic day. city, but gnarly country. Like, yeah. gnarly. <laughs> like, Eastern Europe, the, bro, yeah. We stayed on the outskirts and, like, it was just our hostel and just fucking empty roads. Bro, it's wild, eh? Gorgeous, but fucking, like, we got, of a night, we got the lime scooters. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. I was walking through and, like, I'm lucky because I'm big boy. 130 kilos are the best. Yeah. And, um, Think I, I I was told this in Europe as well. They were like um, some guy in a club was like, "What did he say to me?" He goes, "When we think of Aussies and New Zealanders, we think of rugby. Yeah. So you guys you fit the come bill. across pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'd be on like a lime scooter and some guy in like full puffer jacket, like can't see his face, would come up yeah. like stop the scooter and be like, um, like what do you want? I and mean, fucking nothing. Leave me alone. Yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. But bros, like Prague was way sketchier than I thought of a yeah. day compared to night. Yeah, I got I got a mate from over there, Richard. Shout out Richard Zelinka. He's a he's a Donny pro school rider, one of the loosest units you ever meet. But like the no one on the streets and stuff like that. He's got so many videos of him like drifting his beamer and like just loose stuff. And he's built this big place called Rich Paradise. It's kind of like action sports dreamland, like moto jumps, skate park, big airbag thing, you name it. Um, but when we were there, bro, it was me. Um, who was that with Keenan Memmott, who's like a British young British guy, and then. A few of the Frenchies. Um, I think we just done Feast, which is like a big competition in France. And if you guys ever in France for Feast, I'd go to it. It's like an action sports festival. It's like BMX, skate, anything, but it's like the best in the world. It's hectic. It's like X Games kind of thing, but in Europe. Um, we were there for that and we come back and we're in this apartment and we woke up and Keenan like was the youngest in the crew. I think he was maybe like 15, 16 at the time. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah someone downstairs and i was like what do you mean we had like this split level apartment and it, but it was like a railing out the top so you could see downstairs and i looked down and there's this fully grown man like just passed out on the couch doors like wide open and shit and i'm like what the fuck like we had like i'd say probably 50 60 grand worth of camera gear and whatever else downstairs laptops you name it like we had it all down there and i'm like oh someone must have stolen this shit or like what's going on what's going on we run down there like wake the guy up i'm like yo what are you doing He's like, what, what, what? I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're in our apartment. He's like, no, this is my apartment. What are you doing here? And like, wakes up just like ready to go. Like, he was like, what, 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 what? Like, yeah. ready to go. And I was like, bro, what are you doing in our apartment? Like, the other boys like come down as well. They're like, what the hell is going on? There's like four or five of us and this one dude. And he's just like protection survival mode, like just ready to square up. And he's like, oh, no, this is my apartment. I go, nah, bro. Like, and say the apartment number was like, 105 or something i'm like we're in 105 he's like no nah, this is 205 i'm like no bro this is 105 and he's like no 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 205 i'm like look at the door and it says like 105 on it whatever he's like oh fuck fuck i don't know where i am then like right, right, right. and he goes it looks just like this and i'm like well maybe you're in 205 which is probably the second building or yeah. whatever i was like how'd you get in here he's like i just walked in and i'm like what and i was like do you have a key on you and he's like couldn't find it or whatever else and i don't know if he just walked in or if he come back, he was drunk as, like still at this yeah. point, super drunk. He was an English bloke as well. So thankfully we could actually communicate with him in that. Um, he was drunk as and we were like, 
trying to figure out how he got in. We had no idea. Didn't have a key on him. Like he was pulling his pockets out and whatever. Once he realized we weren't a threat, um, trying to figure out what's going on. And anyway, we don't know if someone had broken into our apartment before that and like pinched my, I had a Nokia burner phone yeah. over there. Cause like this was back before eSIMs and whatever else it was way harder to get SIM card and your phones were always locked and wouldn't accept it. So I got like a Nokia burner phone in the UK that we, I used all through Europe. And um, that would that was gone. And you remember at Culture Kings back in the day, you'd go buy snapbacks and all that shit and you could get like the hat case. Yeah. And my hat case with all my hats was gone. And I was spewing, bro. I was so spewing. And I was like, this is fucked. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. None of the camera gear got stolen. Like, they didn't take anything of value. Weird, bro. And then we ended up walking this guy outside and we're like, we'll try and help you. Like, he was hammered. Yeah. We walked to the next building, building number two. We go to 205, knock on the door. His mates open the door like, oh, my God, where have you been? We've been looking everywhere for you. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, where have you been? I'm like, bro, he's passed out on our couch. They're like, who are you boys? We're like, mate, we're just from next door. Like, we just kind of rocked up. He was just in there. But I honestly thought we were going to kick off with this random dude that night. Ends up being like the nicest dude. They're like, you got to come out with us, boys. Fucking yeah, yeah. Like, they were just on a Bucks weekend. And he was just hammered. He was like one of the best men kind of thing or whatever. Fucking... Like, got away with it over there. But that was one of the things where I was just like, say, for example, someone had broken in or whatever and the door was left open. He'd come in like, we didn't even know. They could have taken anything. They could have done whatever. And you hear so much shit in Europe, you know, fucking this, that and the other. I'm like, we just get away with a lot of shit. Like, it's not the gnarliest story, but it was one of those things where it just rattled me. I was like, fuck, that was a close call. Like, yeah. we had a few. We had a car crash over there. Um, I think we are in... I don't think we were in France. I think we just left France. I think we might have been in Germany. We had a car crash with a Range Rover, oh, which was not ideal. We were in a bus and um, he they crashed into us, luckily. Yeah. Um, but I had like a, a jumper on that said French Bastards and I'd got it from like this shop in Paris called Tila. It's like, and their whole brand's Tila is in T-shirt dealer because it's just a T-shop. So sick. Yeah. They got the best branding. If you want to look them up, look them up on Insta and That's shit. Nice. They're such a sick brand. Um, but they made these hoodie i'll try and find a photo for you it's just french bastards across the front yeah. and the guys that crashed into us were french and it was just like we got a picture of me outside back of this car accident i've just got french bastards on the thing it's like so funny like but other than that bro like there's some wild stories but none that really come to mind eh? not yeah, o- like not overseas anyway yeah here in western sydney but like over there or there's probably one but i don't think it was like it was too bad. We were in um we we're in London. My girlfriend at the time had flown over and I told her that I was in Paris with the boys for that competition. But what she didn't know was that I, I wasn't going yet. I was going a week later. So I told the boys to check in. Back in the day, you used to be able to check in on Facebook and shit in different places. So I t- sent the boys my, lo- my login. I know. I sent the boys my login. I said, oh, check in in Paris and like write this. And I like scripted it all and they did it. Um, and she'd flown to the UK to meet up with her mate that had been living in London and then they were going to go off on their Kentucky and that. And um, we'd been seeing each other for a few months before this, before we'd come over, but real fresh relationship and whatever. And I was missing her heaps. So I was like, I'm going to surprise her in London. So I messaged her friend. I said, hey, I'm going to book a hotel in London. Um, they were there for one night. Um, no, two nights. So they're for two nights. So and I was like, I'm gonna spend the two nights with you guys, and then you go to Tomorrowland, you go do whatever, and I'll let you go. And she's like, Yeah, sweet, that'll be hectic. Like she'd love the surprise. 
So we ended up surprising her. It was like one of the best things I've ever done. She was buzzing, like so shocked. It was sick. But then her mate was staying in like real sketchy area in South London. And um, we just come out of a restaurant one night. It was me and these two girls. And I was just like, all right, sweet. Let's make the walk home. Like we're just chilling, not thinking much of it. And we turned down, you've been to London, heaps of alleyways and little streets and shit like that. And we turned down this one alleyway and I fucking can't make this up. There's like a hundred black dudes yeah you know london's like bro bellies <laughs> hoodies yeah. track suits like the whole kit and caboodle like very intimidating culture at times yeah it's bad what they got going on over there. yeah and yeah. a lot of knife it's crime bad. and shit yeah. so we turned into this alleyway and with these two beautiful aussie girls and i'm not exactly the biggest most scary looking donny yeah. you know what i mean i'm five seven on a good day 100 kilos in my mind 60 kilos in reality yeah. so i'm like yeah let's go so we're walking down this thing and they were like wolf whistling and shit like that and i'm like fair enough whatever and i told the girls as soon as we walked in there, i'm like all right if we're walking through here just like keep your head down and just like walk straight like if you don't engage the chances of them barking into anything is like super small i'm like we should be sweet so we're like walking through they're making all these noises and stuff and then they were like sniffing the girls and shit and like walking behind us Bro, I've never packed it so hard in my life because I thought I was just going to have to go one out with all these boys. Like, I was like, all right, get ready, bro, let's go. Like, but we got through it all right, man. Wow. And it was just like a really intimidating, like, 30 seconds kind of thing of walking through that. But fuck, my heart was racing. Like, yeah. and fuck, man, like, I'm not exactly scared of, of a whole lot. And I've been to some sketchy places and, and met some gnarly people, but like, when you feel like you're so outnumbered, like your odds of thinking, oh, I might back myself here, are so out the window. Like I was like, I'm done. I'm, this is me. I've got a yarn for you. Oh, <laughs> give it to me. We're in Byron Bay, right? So the, I was going up for my birthday, my birthday, 6th of January. Yeah. One of the boys broke down. Um, so on New Year's, you have those festivals where you go to like fucking Lost Paradise, whatever. Yeah, yeah. One of the younger boys um, to tied all together to start off with. So the younger boys, they're three years younger than me, but they're, my cousin was their age and I coached them all through football. Yeah, yeah. By the time they all turned 18, like 19, they were hanging out with me. Blah, they're blah. the boys, yeah. Yeah, they're some of my best mates. Um, so anyway, one of them borrowed jumper cables. He broke down in the line at this festival and he borrowed jumper cables of a girl from Penrith that I knew. Yeah. So the night before my birthday, he calls me, he goes, hey, bro, I'm, I get nervous. I get social anxiety. Can you come with me to drop these jumper cables off to this girl? Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And he goes, where are you, where, like, what are you doing for your birthday? Like, we going out? I was like, no, I'm going to Byron. And he goes, okay, okay. And he just kind of like was like rubbing his chin like all the like all the way home. And I think, oh, what the fuck is this? Kind of yeah, yeah. Anyway, he calls me at like 11 p.m. And he goes, he calls me on FaceTime. And he goes, fuck, see you there. So him and all like five of his best mates that I know as well notoriously like rowdy back then yeah go yeah we'll meet you there and they're all 19 and i'm 22 yeah so anyway they go up to byron they stay at this airbnb wear it out airbnb they get one night in their airbnb and they're kicked out yeah. so the second night they're at ours yeah all's fine i didn't get to sleep whatever the third <laughs> night we're like they're gonna head home the next day we're all heading home the next no we had one more night after to yeah. detox from them thank god yeah but they had one more night with us so then they went out to the brewery at like three or four, Stonewood Brewery. Yeah, yeah. They went out on the town and then it's like 5 p.m. and they've brought like girls back. So anyway, I'm sitting out the back just like 
having a few beers. I didn't go to the brewery or whatever. I like went to the beach and one of my mates from the Goldie came down. So we're yeah. hanging out with him. And uh, I go, like the girls come back and then the girl's like, oh, we're going to like a, a bush stuff tonight. For those listening, it's like a DJ set in the bush. And the boy's like, fuck, like, let's go. Like, that'll be mad, blah, blah. I was like, yes. Like, yeah, actually, sweet. Yeah, let, yeah. let's do that. Let's go. Anyway, we get there and, um, you know, so you got the lighthouse here. So, so you got the point. Yeah. And the lighthouse is here on that point yeah, facing yeah. outward. Yeah. You have this stretch of beach here. Yeah. That beach is fucking long. Yeah. It's in the middle. Yeah. Right? But there's the entrances are like a few hundred meters away. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, they the girl the girls added the boys on Snapchat and they had their location on. So like we're following that and then just listening for the sound. And then we make our way into the bush and it's like good fifty meters in, like sixty meters in, like through shrubs. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're like having a good time and fucking stupidly people put like drinks together, like um, just on the brink of like, so you got like the DJ in the middle on the outside and on like one start of the outside, people put drinks together. Yeah. Obviously being fucking simple Australian people, we drink the same stuff. Yeah. So anyway, two of the younger boys go, one of them was such a fucking, <laughs> he's a good kid now, he's in the army. I won't name him, people know him, but he... He goes, he turns around to like one of the boys and he goes, fuck, these guys are drinking my fucking drinks. Kicking and I heard up. him. Yeah. And I, I like, he starts like pushing, shoving, they kick off and there's four guys and there's two of them. And then like, we come over. We're like, nah, like, sweet, whatever. Like, what are you drinking? Carlton Dries. And I was like, what are you drinking? He's like, Carlton Dries. And I was like, well, fucking, even if they, like, even if they are, can we blame them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> They're like, oh, fuck, I've name dropped him now. It doesn't matter. Just beep it out. Yeah. Anyway, he keeps kicking off. It gets to a point where the guys who were hosting it, and they were like young too, like these, all the crowd was like, there was guys as old as like 30, but like the guys hosting were like 18 or 19. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it gets to a point where, oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah, oh, mate. <laughs> oh, mate. Kicks off and the host who has like 40, 50, 60 people there with him, like it's his birthday or something. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he punches him. In like the scuffle, and all of a sudden these kids all kiss ass because they're all from Eastern Sydney. Of course. So they all come running in, and all of a sudden, like in front of me, it's just erupted into like twenty versus like five or six. Mm-hmm. And one of the younger boys, um, he he was a big boy, bodybuilder. He just starts like he was like pretty patient, and there was this one guy fucking made me laugh. He goes, "Fuck, the Hulk's gonna fucking lose it. He's getting pissed off because he kept like guys kept trying to start him, and then he just started unloading." And I remember he got on top of one of these guys and he was just like whacking him, whacking him. And he got on top and put like both legs over the side so he's pinned him essentially. Yeah. And we had to like pull him off. And then as I've like pulled him off, there's like other guys hitting him and I'm going like, fuck it. Like they're a bit younger than me. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to throw punches. And I've also been mostly sober. Yeah. Like I've had a few drinks. I can recognize how outnumbered we are. Yeah. So I'm like separating it big time and – the good thing about being big is like you can use your force in like a friendly way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can pick guys up, demoralize You got them authority. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You pick them up, the feet yeah. are off the ground. Like, fuck, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you put yeah. it back there and you're like, yeah. enough. Yeah. Anyway, we separate it. And these guys, like these other, these crew that's kicked off is like infuriated, infuriated. Anyway, so me and my best friend, Ned, we're like, sweet, fuck, we're done. We're out. Whatever. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. We go out onto the beach. You ever watched Simpsons movie? Yeah. 
you know, the lynch mob when it's after home, yeah. like, shit, you're not a turnaround. I've never seen anything like it. I reckon 50, 60 people with flashlights, like, coming. Yeah. I, by chance, when that guy who was, like, the leader of their little crew got pinned and I got my bodybuilder mate off him, yeah, I was then recognized as an ally, essentially, to them. Yeah. So they, like, ran past, like, so the boys start running and I was a big boy at the time as well. So I'm going, no, nah, fuck that. I'm not running yeah, on scene. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. fuck it. If I get jumped, I get jumped, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not outrunning them. So yeah. I'm not going to start. You running. do the math. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the boys run up like the ramp to the beach and I get up there late, but like there's people running past me and I literally heard them going like, nah, he's sweet, leave him alone. Like he didn't throw a punch or blah, blah, blah. And yeah. like there was people that were merely just following it to follow it. Yeah. And they're going, nah, big boy's fine. He didn't throw a single punch. We watched the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, they run past me and I get up there and like two of my mates who like would never throw a punch in their life got like punched in the face. Yeah. So I'm like struggling. I'm at this point struggling to like keep it. Yeah. Down. You want to protect yeah. your homies too. It's yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm like getting in between stuff and I'd sweet, leave him be, leave him be. The boy's getting a sprinter by chance, like a maxi taxi picks him up. I'm left there with these people. But there was, to backtrack, it kind of got a bit, um, how do I word it? It got a bit like, heightened because one guy had a gold chain on he punched my mate and my mate um is notoriously skinny wouldn't hurt it like wouldn't hurt a fly if he tried he couldn't yeah yeah. same with us we tried we couldn't yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) this guy he was just going at my mate obviously this guy's just gone on a power trip picked a skinny guy who had nothing to do with it yeah and i had i like grabbed the back of his gold chain and like twisted it around so like i've like twisted it with my fist and then like pulled him and he started like choking his own chain yeah yeah and i like pulled him to the side i was like fucking look leave at him, it like, right yeah for his life like, yeah just leave him yeah and then he got angry i'm gonna fuck shut up like yeah, yeah so i'm walking through byron bay by myself i get back down to like an area in byron bay at the beach get an uber sweet i get back to my house as i get back to my house little do i know the girls who took the boys to the beach party have messaged fucking one of the boys going oh i'll come back to your house i'm so sorry like let's sort this out blah 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 he goes, oh, yeah, fucking smooth brain. Goes, yeah, sweet. Like, here's my address. Texan Addy. I get to there and there's a Pajero and another Pajero fucking pinging it down the street. I'm at the front door. I literally, we had three mates who got like food poisoning or like COVID probably. At the yeah, yeah. It was early 2022. So yeah. we just, the country came to the fact to deal with it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, we're like, <laughs> I've watched, bro, all I can do is laugh. I watch like these guys just run past me. I'm going, fuck. So I'm like trying to, I'm trying to get in and I'm like got to the house at the same time as then I go, there's no one in here for you. I can vouch for my life. They run past the bedroom, run into the house and I've got two mates that are like fully sick. One manages to get out of the house because he gets told they're coming. He jumps over the back fence with a few of the other boys because some of the boys managed to get in first, go, they're fucking coming. They've got our address. Yeah, yeah. They jump over the fence. I'm at the front of the house. I'm going, boys, I'm telling you, there's no one in there for you. All the other boys have hit legs like they're gone. Yeah. My, I go past the window and like two of my mates are legit like just drop, bro. They've woken up from a sleep. They're in food poisoning state and they're yeah. sick as a dog. They're fucking what, like pale white as it is. Yeah. And they're just looking at me. I'm like, nah, it's like, we'll sort it out. It's all good. Yeah. I walk into the house while they're in there. They obviously still want nothing to do with me. And... They're like, fucking, where are they? You fat fuck, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I, yeah. I can't tell you boys like. Yeah. And I knew exactly where they were. They were this close to the fucking boys over the other side of the fence. It all jumped and dropped straight in. Yeah, yeah. And then these boys go out the front and there's one fat guy, God bless him. He was, <laughs> he was, um, he was trying to get through the front door like a fucking, I was like thinking, I was like, because I, I was sitting at the front at this point trying to 
the guy who initiated it, he was running through the streets. He's a gun footy player. Yeah. So he didn't manage to jump any fences, but he was on leg getting away from them. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd go down alleys because they'd get in the Pajero and chase him. Yeah. He managed to get away. Same with one of the other boys. They didn't want him. And I'm at the front and there's this fat guy there and they'd all drop their belongings and there's this fat guy got his back turned to me. I'm thinking, fuck, fuck. <laughs> I could easily just knock this prick out. Yeah, yeah. Take their shit and call it evens or we just leave it. And anyway, I just... In my head, I go, I go, kind of, I don't know. Have you ever been in a moment where you weigh up your situation? Yeah, 100%. So I weigh up my situations and I go, I could like just roll this kid and take all their shit because they dropped like bum bags and shit. They had yeah. saddies. Yeah. Also, also, wasn't even thinking, but they probably had knives in there and stuff like that. Whatever. They, these guys were nuts, bro. I've never yeah. seen. When you look in someone's eyes, it's just like, yeah. There's no one home, but like, yeah. it's just infuriating. Well, yeah. So I'm just standing out the front. And the fat guy's like putting his hand all over the doorknob. And I, I literally said to him, I was like, bro, I wouldn't do that if I was you. They're just they're like your fingerprints there now. Yeah. And he's like, kind of like went to like have a go at me. And then he like kind of turned around. He's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, like how yeah, to think yeah, about yeah. it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you probably got me here. Um, so they all go away. So that scared him enough to be like, all right, fuck, I'm out. And then he goes to his mates like cops are coming, blah, blah, blah. Because John was on the phone in the toilet. John's on the phone going like, They'd recognize these two guys completely innocent. So these guys had some sort of morality. Luckily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but anyway, cop they, they jet cops take their fucking time. Man. It's yeah. insane, eh? Hey, how long the cops took. The boys all end up making a home. By fucking chance, the two neighbors that we had, like, lived in those houses. Like, that's like yeah, not Airbnbs or whatever. No, no. Yeah. Um, and the boys had dropped in, and by absolute chance, like, there was a single mother with a daughter in one of them. <sighs> And she goes to have a go at the boys and she could just see in the boys' faces like complete fear. Yeah. And they're going like, like push. Yeah. yeah. And they can just, and then she must have just heard. What was going on in the background, yeah. Chance. If she screams, yeah. she has every right to do in that moment. Yeah. She's got a daughter in the house and just her. Yeah. Like the boys are done for. Yeah. Same with the house on the other side. Anyway, cops come. They're heaps nonchalant about it. And then fucking one of my best mates goes, fuck it, we'll stay another night. Like. Cops have got us on protection. I was like, first of all, cops have they couldn't even give a Zero, fuck. Yeah. We're tourists as well. They have yeah. no care for us. Yeah. Got in the car at 3 a.m. that night and drove straight all the way back to Wimbledon by myself as well. You were just over it. You're oh, like, fuck I'm that. Done. I'm not staying. It's and the, one of those things, eh? Like where yeah. it just gets to that point where you're just like, man, I'm done. It's, yeah. You, you kind of, yeah, you pull the plug. Bro, it would be your own. Like, yeah. Like you said, like um, when I mentioned like have you um, – being close to being rolled overseas like yeah. oh yeah in western sydney i actually have yeah you know like I mean? things here and, and that's the thing too it's like you just get to those situations and you don't ever want to live that shit again it's not a comfortable thing bro like it's happened at the skate park yeah i had a few I, I had a knife put on me at jammo of all places i think nick's told me a few situations at like we've, had, we've had a few brawls there like massive brawls there over the years over what Little things, bro. It could be the skate parks. It's tribal. It's, eh? Yeah, but it's also full of like interesting people, you yeah. know, not to say the least. Like there's a lot of nice people who go to the skate park, but there's also a lot of not nice people. Or there's a lot of people that don't come from much. you got to remember for most people, like the skate park is f- a free access point. Like if you have a skateboard, a bike, a scooter, you know, you can use it. Most skate parks are free to use. Um it's not like football and stuff like that where you got to pay to play. So it's a free access sport for a lot of people um, or a low entry cost sport. And yeah, there was a few at Jamo over the years. I remember I got I got a knife put on me there once. I was by myself and it started raining 
And because I lived in Warragamba, like you could get buses in and out, but my mum would come in and pick me up um, after work. But it would be like five, six o'clock most days yeah. um, by the time she got in here. So um, I was in there one day. I can't remember. I think it was school holidays or whatever else. But all the boys had kind of like not really come down that day or everyone had taken off and been raining. So I went to this place over the road, um, the chip shop, and I was just chilling there and whatever else. And then I was like, all right, I'm over sitting here. Like I'm going to go back to the skate park. And it, it was like not raining but wet, if that makes sense. So we weren't really doing much. I was just chilling there. And these guys that were there early in the day that I knew, I knew of them like or one of two of them anyway had come from Campbelltown and um one of the dudes was just a sketchy guy I can't even remember his name I used to remember his name and everything but he was there and I at the time had a really sick setup but I also had a camera and I also had all this and a lot of people knew that um and yeah he was like give me what's in your bag and I was like nah bro no chance and I was like you're fucking tripping like and I'm, like I said, not the biggest dude and definitely not a violent guy. So I was like, nah, bro, no chance. Trying to stand some ground. But at the same time, I'm like, fuck. And he goes, give me what's in your bag. I said, nah. Opens up his bum bag or whatever and pulls out his knife. He's like, give me what's in your fucking bag. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Do I just like hand this over or whatever? And I was like, nah. And luckily for me, one of his mates come over and goes, bro, don't fucking do that. You know who that is? Like, he's one of the boys. Like, don't fucking... And his mate had really like saved me in that moment because that was at the point where I was like, all right, do I fucking swing my scooter or some shit and go yeah. full Jackie Chan and like risk it or do I just give up what I've got and take the L or whatever? And like, this, like I said, the stupid thing was at that point in time, I knew, I knew who the guy was. Yeah. So I could have easily messaged my boys from Campbelltown or whatever, like Adam Bolton or any of the, like the local crew out there and said, oi, what's this dude's last name again? Or what's this dude's details? Or what's his Facebook? Or what's his this? Yeah. Got it in two seconds and gone to the cops and say like, this dude stole my stuff. Like go and get my shit back or whatever. Um, or this dude like robbed me at knife point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bro, I was so lucky to get away with it in that time. And I remember I was just scattered and like the boys Rory and Chris and that lived around the corner, but none of them were home. So I just felt like I couldn't have just taken off. I'm like, where do I go? So I literally, from that moment, bro, as soon as his mate like intervened, I got on my scooter and I pumped it past Panthers and all that. And I went to the plaza and I sat in the food court. And I was just like, that's the one place where I know people are going to be. But it's like, like I said, it's like 5 p.m., bro. So it's not exactly like it's busy there either. And I was just on edge. Like I was just like like full of adrenaline. Just like whatever. I reckon I got this jammo to like the plaza in probably like one minute like i was sprinting bro like i've never ridden faster on a scooter in my life fifth gear just like just pumping like up the street like no one was catching me i was overtaking cars and shit like i was out of there but it was one of those things it's like you don't expect that shit to happen in a place that's like home to you like jammo was like home but it was just the odd occasion that no one else was around it had rained so all the locals had gone and shit like that like it wasn't like a i had my safety net kind of thing and then there's there's been a few other ones like we were we were little rat bags when we were younger like pinching trolley poles and stuff like that for like the razor bars um and i remember we were at um we're at kmart or like the nepean central or whatever it's called um we were there and um a few of the boys were getting some trolley poles and that and we were riding like the trolley rails yeah we could hop up and grind them and shit we were just chilling and then um a group of pseudo Boys come around the corner and like, what are you doing? And we were just like, oh, and we were all like just chilling. And I looked up and my mates had gassed it. 
they were gone. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I like got on my scooter and like just gapped it as well. And they chased us down the street. Um, and you know, when you come out of that, there's heaps of like little off roads, but then there's those two main roads that run up. Like one's like the stadium side and then the other one's like the housing side. We'd gapped it around and gone through the housing side, like gone to one of my mate's houses. But I was running, bro. I've never like moved so fast in my life. Other than that other time going to the plaza, I was like just gapping it. And these dudes are just chasing us. Like nothing come of it. And to be fair, they're probably just fucking with us anyway. But like, bro, my mates, I turn around, they're gone. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like they're already <laughs> out of there. They read this they read the scene like before I did. I was just wasn't clicking. Yeah. Just insane, it. Eh? But other than that, man, I think I think the West gets a bit of a rap for being rough. Like obviously you have some incidents and whatever else, but for the most part, man, most people here are sweet, I think. When you grow up in the rough, you know how to deal with it. Yeah, I think yeah. If you grow up just around it, you just yeah. yeah. If you don't come from a sheltered life, any you can come from fucking Queensland, whatever. If you come to Western Sydney, it's not that big of an issue. Yeah, it gets like a big. It's because Australia doesn't really have anything like it as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, bro, we in Europe as well. Actually, we were staying in the hood in Paris, <clears throat> and we walked through like a park. And there was like a lot of people think that Paris is like this beautiful place because oh, they think of the Eiffel old. Tower as well. Oh, it's it's rough, old. bro. It is shit rough. Old. City, eh? Yeah. Um, even like around. Eiffel Tower. The pickpockets and all that yeah, shit. I to, yeah. yeah, I hate to tell anyone listening. Trevi Fountain, fucking in Rome. Um, even London. Uh, yeah, Eiffel Tower. Not as romantic as one would like to. Uh, yeah. It's as romantic as you make it, I suppose. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was walking. We were walking through a park and they're like, they hang out in parks. Like, Fuck, you just yeah. wish you could tell them to get jobs. But yeah. it was like a, <laughs> saying that I'm walking through the yeah, same I park. But, like, yeah, I, I, um, I was just walking through and the boys were like, holy fuck, like, we know where we are because we just kind of wanted to walk our way Wanda. through the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I remember saying to the boys, like, oh, just walk with your head up. Like, it's not really. Yeah. Because I, I used to work at JB Hi-Fi. So I'd have to go over the train station at night and walk through, um, what's it called? Thornton. Yeah. Just over there. And like that, at the bottom of that side of the train station, like there's been a few times where I just keep walking. It's like, sketchy. Yeah. 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 The yeah. shit that goes on. Also, like I said earlier, bless my size. So we did that in Paris, but in Split, the boys hopped on Croatia Sail, which yeah. didn't leave for three days because Ultra was on. Yeah. The boys were sleeping on the boat. I was staying at a yeah. hostel. My mate was meant to come to Ultra. He dogged me because his fucking missus had him on a chain. Ah, oh, shit me, man. So he was staying at the hostel, but I'd have to walk across Split. Now, Split's still like an old Eastern European city. Yeah. There was many a times at because Ultra, for those listening, goes from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. because yeah. it's too hot during the day. So I'd be walking home at 5.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. And where Split is, is next to the, uh, where Ultra was, was next to the hood, like Housing Commission. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have to walk through Housing Commission and then go up the main road next to the highway, walk across through another Housing Commission and then uh, another like two kilometers back to my hostel. It fucking took me like an hour to get home every yeah, night. Yeah. Lucky I had AirPods. Maybe stupidly I had AirPods in, but yeah. I was kind of enjoying myself. And um, yeah, I just remember every single time you just walk shoulders up, head straight. Um, yeah. You don't want to drop your head. Like you, you don't want to look at them, but you don't want to drop your head too much because then they might, someone might take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just remember there was a few times where like I could hear people because I turned my volume down in my AirPods. Yeah. And I could hear people saying stuff and then I just, you just go keep walking. Hey. It's just yeah. proper fucking like, yeah. real scary stuff, man. It's like even if you want to get into somewhere where you're not supposed to be, bro, confidence is a big thing. Yeah. Confidence is a big thing. So like, you know, could be walking into a club or getting in the VIP section or some shit like that, bro. I've gotten into so many places by just acting confident, walking in entourage, no entourage, whatever, yeah. 
you just go, all right, I belong in there and you act like you belong and you're sweet. It's the same in those situations, bro. If you act like you're sweet and you can hold your own, it makes people second guess their thinking as well. So it's like yeah. if you're walking through like your head up, like you don't care, they're going to think this guy doesn't care. Like why? Yeah. Who does he know? Can he fight? Whatever. He yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he got on him? You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things. So, yeah. Top three, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Top three countries that you visited. How many countries have you visited? Do you know? I don't know the number, bro. I should really count. I should really count. I would say top three countries. I'd say some of my favorites. I think Spain's sick. I think Spain just has a different culture. Like late at night, Barca's mad. Barca's sick. And especially for skating and stuff like that. I'd say Spain... South Africa was cool, but I don't think I'd put it in the top three. I'd say Switzerland was really, like, beautiful. Um, when you are at, um, where was it, Livigno? Livigno, yeah. Yeah, did you cross over much? Nah, bro, we because the way it works, we were just in, like, this town, Livigno, but it's surrounded by mountains. It's such a mission to get in or out. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, free public transport and stuff in the town, so there's everything you want to do there. But it's just like, there was no need. We were there snowboarding. On the days off, we really just wanted to chill. Because we do like three days on snow, day off, three days on snow. Yeah. Just to break it up. Because if you've ever been snowboarding or skiing, like it's pretty physically demanding. And we're there with like a, a semi-elite camp. So it's like everyone's standing it and whatever else. Um, but in terms of the top three, bro, I don't know what I'd say for the other one, eh? You know what? I reckon New Zealand's underrated, bro. Oh, I really want to go. South Island is so beautiful. That place is so underrated. And if you could go, like for a lot of Aussies, you can get pretty cheap flights, yeah. um, especially from the East Coast. So I'd definitely, if you haven't, go to South Island, bro. Yeah. And you can go there in winter or in summer and it'd be beautiful. Like summer, obviously you can do the hikes or you can do whatever if that's what you're into or you just have a sick backdrop in like Queenstown. Um, or if you go in the winter, you can go snowboarding, skiing, whatever else. But such an underrated place, I reckon. Last thing I wanted to ask, with your snowboarding endeavours, yeah, I've watched a few YouTube videos where like they're going down a route, something goes wrong and they end up like just fucking going down like the craziest. Yeah. Have you got any crazy snowboarding stories? Obviously you do, but like... I was about to say, there's heaps. I don't know what would be the gnarliest. Have you ever done a run where you think like, holy fuck, like this is proper? Yeah, we had a couple scary ones. When, when we're in Colorado... Um, we were in Colorado, it was like minus 30 the first week we got there. And I'd never experienced anything like that, like so cold. But it was like just dumping powder. Um, and you go through the trees and stuff like that. And it seems pretty simple when you talk about the trees. A lot of people think that there's like a designated route and it's not. It's like imagine walking through the bush and there's no path. You just figure it out and you end up this way, that way, whatever. So we come through with a crew and we have – have a game plan over there we've got a buddy system so whenever we go and ride in the trees or on power days you have you pick a buddy and you ride in the same rough direction that they do so they're in sight and you want to be within like verbal you know reach or something like that if you get a bit lost everyone stops like if you can't see someone you've got to pull up and you've got to yell or whatever so we do that because it's very easy to get buried or it's very easy to hit a tree or something like that and no one's finding you like it's so gnarly but no one's finding you so um a few days like into it or whatever. We've, we hadn't really been riding through the trees. Everyone got their legs back or whatever first week. So we pumped through the trees. And 
I had never ridden powder like that in my life. And the first time you ride it, it's pretty eye-opening. It's not as easy as it looks. And when you're humming, like we've got a crew of like 20 people that rip, when you're humming through the trees and stuff, you're so absorbed by the environment and how fun it is that you just make little mistakes and you forget. You take your eye off the ball and, you know, some, one thing can go wrong. Um, there was one time where it was just too gnarly, like, to go right. So I've gone left. And then the way that the trees have lined up, it's better to go left to go left and to go left and I kind of lost everyone and I'm like right cool pull up and I'm calling out to like my buddy I'm like yo yeah yeah didn't get nothing so I was like fuck and I started to panic and I was like all right the one thing I know is that all mountains lead to the base if you get to the base there's usually a track or there's usually something where you can like get out that's kind of just what you'll get taught because like how far can it really go you know what I mean so I was like all right cool so I'm just pumping through this pumping through this, pumping through these trees kind of thing. And um, I get out and I just come out onto this track. I just see this like big track. I'm like, dang, fuck, like pan out on it. And I see the crew like further down the track. I'm like, shit, like, thank God, like I'm back with the homies. And we come through and they're like, where's the rest of them? And I'm like, the rest of who? So I'd got lost to the left because I kept going left, but some other crew had gone right and then got stuck in that gnarly section and didn't come out. We were waiting for like 45 minutes, bro. And these are kids that we're with. So we're just like, what do we do? And it's like up to your waist powder, like so hard to like climb or hike up through and there's nothing you can do. So we're just sitting there like yelling people's names, yelling people's names. 45 minutes goes by, one kid come through and he's like, yeah, they're up there, they're up there. Like so-and-so had a fall and we all just lost momentum behind him and then we were so deep. We like had to dig ourselves out and whatever else. And then we'd lost his and then they're like, we didn't really know what to do. So we're kind of just like not really going anywhere, trying to stick together. So they ended up coming out and we were all sweet. Like we didn't lose anyone. Thankfully, I think because of the buddy system, like it wasn't someone else on their own. I was the only one that was purely on my own. But like that is scary in the moment, bro, because you're looking after other people's kids and whatever else on the other side of the world. And you see so many movies and stuff about people getting stranded in the woods, in the snow, but like the conditions, minus 30, man, it's cold. You're not spending a night out there, minus 30, and coming out too good the next day or whatever. So that was one of the ones that really like all of us kind of went in that moment like, shit, we need to be better on these days at like how we get the track. So now say we've got three coaches or whatever, we'll go coaching at the front, coach in the middle, coach at the back um, or whatever it is and like roll through and we've got a much stricter like lay out about how we actually go about it but on a power day man it's like your little kid comes out it's a like christmas day for a snowboarder or a skier so you, it's easy to like forget those processes and shit like that and now we like like no you need a buddy you need this and all the kids are like oh, i just want to rip some turns like shut up i'm like no nah, we don't want to lose you and like after a while if you go out on a big trip like it might not be 45 minutes or whatever they might get lost for five minutes but you start to panic in those five minutes and as soon as they have that they go oh I understand why you are so like on the crack about being strict on this stuff because it's be so easy to get lost. And like the mountains are big. If you take one left, you could end up a K away from someone. Like yeah, so easy. Craziest route you've done down a mountain. And is it recorded? Nah, I don't, I don't really film too much of myself. I'm usually pointing the camera at someone else. So I filmed a bunch of other people, but I don't know. I've Colorado, like Breckenridge is sick. Keystone's sick. Um, Probably one of the funnest runs. Even in Whistler, like the guy that runs the camp, Ryan Teen, he went to Whistler when he was like 16 years old. Yeah. 
live there. So he knows heaps of the backcountry and stuff. So we went out through the trees a couple of days and just some of the lines that like he was taking us through were so sick and like nothing too gnarly. Um, and there's some really iconic spots over there, but like just riding through there with like the crew that's at like such a good standard and stuff. It's pretty intense. Like I, I wouldn't say most people would be like rocking up and like sending it the way that we do through these sections. But, um, but yeah, I'd probably say Wiss, like, I don't know, even the runs. Wiss is probably just the spot. Other than that, bro, filming like the pros and stuff like that on the big jump line, like people don't understand how quick they're going. They make it look so effortless. Like when they're doing like, it's up to like 21s and shit now, like, like five rot full rotations and shit like that now, like, and more, it's, it's so ridiculous. But like when you're following them in and I've got the camera or whatever else, bro, you are moving, like we're clicking and it, that's the scariest shit. Cause a lot of the jumps are like icy. Yeah. That's how it's like the most pack and the best takeoffs and shit. So if you get it wrong, like you're yeah. going to sleep for sure or like something's, yeah, something's getting broken or whatever. And that stuff's super intense. But How do you yeah. mean, uh, when you've got the camera, what is the setup like? Uh, you can use a few. These days it's crazy, man, because iPhones and shit is so good. And like the way that people absorb content is so fast and like yeah. almost forgetful that you don't like putting in the full nine yards and going like the full camera setup and whatever else is not always worth it. So these days, a lot of time I'm just using my phone. So I'm just humming with like my hands out or whatever else freezing, just like following people over jumps and shit like Are that. You're going over the jump as well? Sometimes. I try not to. I'm not the best jumper, bro. I don't get around it. Like I think they're all nuts. I prefer to ride rails and shit. But sometimes you do, like if it's not too big, I'll so follow you'll them. you'll just go down like the side per se. Yeah. Try and like get Right the next to them. So the way that most snow jumps are set up, it's like the takeoff will be just the center yeah. and then the sides are like two rollers. So you can pick left or right, whichever is the better angle or whatever and try and keep up. That's insane. Yeah. It's nuts. Holy shit. It's fun. You go quick. I'd love to know how quick we go. I'd love to time it. I'll try and see if I can find an app or some shit and I'll send you. Yeah. But I've never been. Oh bro. You need to do it. If anyone hasn't been, definitely get down to like Threadbow or Perishar in Australia. Yeah. Um, it's like a four or five hour drive from Sydney. But so fun, pretty expensive. Australia is actually really expensive to go. If you could go to New Zealand, go to like um, Wanaka or Queenstown or something like that, and even go to like Snow Machine or is it Snow Tunes. Well, I don't know what the Fezzi's yeah, called over snow there. Festivals. I know but people you, that go to that. You can do that stuff. That's what's in Japan when we're going now. So um, yeah, you go to one of them, make a sick trip out of it, and that way, if you know skiing, snowboarding, or whatever, isn't really for you because it's fucking hard to pick up. It's not really for you. Go to the Fezzi, go to Apres, kick on, and go sightsee, bungee jump and shit. I don't know. Do yeah. that stuff. It's so fun. I try to get all my mates into the snow because it wasn't something that I did growing up. It yeah. was only like when I went to the States as an exchange student, they were like, what's one thing you've never done? And I was like, oh, I've never seen snow because I had a photo of, the, on, of them on holidays at the snow on their wall. And I was like, oh, I've never seen snow. And they're like, oh, we'll take you. So we went to a place called Big Bear or Bear Mountain in California. Um, did like one or two days there and then I didn't touch a snowboard for years and then my uh, girlfriend at the time had bought me a like a three-day pass or a four-day pass or whatever it is for Perisher because I'd been talking about it so much. So we went down together for like three or four days and I was hooked, bro. And then since then, season pass every year, just on it, profit. Is it crazy to think like you and Nikkei who hanging out at Windsor Skate Park, Jamo Skate Park, like you both used – an audience you garnered via scooters and you managed to pivot in such like crazy directions. Like you travel the world for a job. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, he, fuck, he travels as well. He's all around the joint. Okay. 
But like he, yeah, he opened up this and he also like the people he works with or for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of crazy to look back on those days and be like, fuck, like it's not scooters anymore, but we managed to make it work. Yeah, for sure, bro. And that's one of the biggest blessings out of it too. Like none of us would have predicted what came about our lives. Like Instagram and stuff like that. If Instagram didn't kick off at the time that it did, I don't think I would have capitalized on it and, and whatever else, but it just worked out. I liked cameras. I like taking photos and videos and um, I was the right, I always say I was the right age as well, like coming through and like scootering boomed. I was like, like I said, 15, 16 to 18, 19, like that's when it was kind of cool. And the younger demographic that was buying into scootering was like looking up to me. I lived a really sick life, had a beautiful girlfriend, traveled the world, had a cool car. Like, you know, when you're younger as a male, like that's the life to you. You're like, that's sick. Like, that's it. That's me. That's what I want to be. So I think people bought into that a lot and, and that really helped kind of catapult me but it was also like a motivator if that makes sense like the instagram thing just started popping and then once you start to see some numbers or whatever else you want to do more and do more and goalposts always move. yeah for sure and then that helped me i think like pushing that direction and really want to make something of it and then um yeah luckily enough bro i'm, I'm where i'm at now so yeah Thanks yeah. for coming on, brother. No, thank you so much. Appreciate man. it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully one day we catch a Swansea game. Oh, bro, I'd love to, man. I'd love to. Do you, you know, have you heard that rumor about Arsenal women's team and uh, Tottenham men's team potentially coming out to Oz? No. So there's a rumor going around now. Obviously, Ange Ball's big. Yeah. Ange is born out with Tottenham and that. Um, there's yeah. a rumor coming around that he Arsenal wants to wins. bring him to Australia. And yeah, the Arsenal women's team or someone in that space has caught wind of it yeah. and said, well, we'd love to do game out there as well for our women's team because we've got so many Aussies in the side. So they're like, imagine if we did a double header so you could watch Tottenham men's team play a A-League All-Stars or whatever yeah. and then um, Arsenal's women's team play A-League All-Stars, no. which would be hectic. Yeah, that'd be sick. Because they're both like two cream of the crop teams right now as well. Yeah. It's not like Tottenham of a few years ago, you know. I think Tottenham has some spice about them right now because of Ange and stuff like that and a lot of Aussies have bought into that. So if they come out, I'd go and watch and I'm not a Tottenham fan. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm an Arsenal fan when it comes to Premier, yeah. not really. Yeah. But yeah, that'd be mad. Yeah, definitely see that. Could be sick, bro. Could be sick. Yeah, and fuck, bro, kid from South Melbourne. Eh? I yeah. know. It's sick to see what he's what he's been doing, but to us, it's nothing new. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the Aussies have bought into his story. Won 40 games in a row with Raw, like undefeated 40 games. Like right. knew it would come. One he day. he creamed the A League, went to like Asia, went to Greece or whatever. Like he's he's done bits, bro. So to say, I'm just glad that he's in the prem now and he's kind of getting that recognition because when he was the national team coach, bro, I thought he was unreal. I loved him there. So. Yeah, so to see what he did for Aussie football as well, like especially after like Goose, like hitting him, whatever, like sick. I'm all about it now. Hope I just hope they do well. Do you reckon he'll leave Spurs or do you reckon he'll stay at Spurs for a little chapter? Nah, he'll stay there for a bit. He oh. likes to. He likes to. He likes to He's a grafter. Yeah, I think he'll stay there because there's rumors that He's Australian boy. There's rumors that he'll go to Liverpool or no, whatever. No, he'll go to Xavi Alonso. Yeah, I can see that for the sure. Guy hasn't lost a game since what? I think that. Leverkusen over a year ago. I think yeah. he's lost maybe one in like 45. Yeah. And obviously his ties are so deep with Liverpool that yeah. it's kind of They'll set. probably go him because he'll leave Leverkusen. If Leverkusen win the league, that's when you leave. Yeah. You so leave on a good turn. Yeah. You had to leave at the end of that season. You did it. You done Fuck it. Take get it. Because it's, it's, like, um, it's never as good after. Yeah. What's his name? Not Italiano. Uh, fuck. Uh, Spalletti? 
Yeah, Spalletti won it with Napoli. Yeah. Fucking got straight out of there. Yeah, later ball. Because the, na- the, na- the Napoli Ultras, like two years earlier, like fucking jacked his car, took everything. Yeah. And then they gave it back to him when they won the league. They kept it. There's a video of them giving him back like his steering wheel and shit. No way. I'm but yeah, he won up. the league. He Like that video came out. I reckon like three days later, he said, no, nah, I'm done. I'm yeah. Out. I did it. I, br- I brought it back. I brought it back to Napoli. First first one since Maradona. Um, and he goes, yeah, fucking out. Yeah. I was a smart guy, man. The same yeah. thing will happen with Alonso. He'll probably go to Liverpool. Yeah. Honestly, bro, I don't really care for European football too much anymore. Nah. That's fucking... Oh, my brain's just taken up with the National Second Division. Man. Yeah. And then like Sunday League. Like, do you, How do you think the National Second Division is actually going to play out? Play out well. First year, second year will be good. There's an idea that relegation gets introduced after maybe three or four. Five. I was about to say five was the term that I heard. And that's... That's it tough. might even be earlier because mm. they ha- the A-League runs the risk when you have clubs like MacArthur. God bless him, MacArthur, because they have one of my best mates, Jed Drew, playing. Yeah, he's, been, he's playing well. I he's saw his goals right, the other day, bro. Yeah, he's killing it. Fucking doing all right. The kid's good, man. Yeah. Red-backed product. I've got a soft spot for MacArthur as well because I played ball out there and yeah. the guys that started that club, Geno and that, were playing at the same club that I was. Yeah. Man. So, like, the heritage and everything like that, the black and white, not only is it, like, Juve, yeah. the Italian boys or whatever. Not only is it Juve inspired, but Oran Park, that was our kit as well. So we always had a black and white yeah, striped kit. So, yeah. Um, what the fuck? Was that? You run the risk with, I, I think MacArthur and Sydney United probably merge. That's probably. Yeah. But you have like your Western Uniteds, um, even Raw. Um, and you, you have these clubs that are on the precipice of, they probably need to be in the national second division, right? Because if they're not, they could just fold yeah. together yeah. rather than still operate as a professional club. Yeah. West United currently about to play in a one thousand seater stadium or something. Yeah, that's not the worst idea in the world. No, I don't think people think Australian football's like because they because they see the derby. They think that should be every week. Fuck no, it should be five thousand people every week. Yeah. That's what you should aim for because that's a sustainable product. Yeah, and that's that's figures you can work off. You go right, five thousand people here. This is how we need to make money this way. This is this is like how we introduce grassroots. You know, this is how much we can spend on our marquee. Yeah. Five to ten thousand. That's what you should aim for. You shouldn't aim any higher at the point in time because at the moment you can't even fill fucking five thousand for some A league. Yeah, game, yeah, which is insane to say yeah. out loud. We are a small country and we're competing with other codes. It's the nature of the game. So yeah, um, people think it has to like football doesn't have to be. Like Ibar, bro, they had like, we called it Lithgow Stadium on FIFA. Like we played our pro clubs team out of there. We played yeah. out at Ibar Stadium. Legit looks like fucking Lithgow Showground. That hosted Messi and Ronaldo in their prime. Yeah. They had 9,000 seater in La Liga. Yeah. So it just goes to show, like Luton. Yeah. Well, Tech is fucking from Luton. I know, bro. I and know. That's the, uh, what's it called? Something Lane or something. Yeah, I can't think of the name of that. Um, but they, they ended up Renault on it, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. Re- not renewing it for the Prem. They're renewing it because they ha- like have to. Yeah. But they use the Prem money to reno instead yeah, yeah. of buying players for the Prem. Yeah, yeah. And they bought in like Ross Barkley on free, which yeah. has been probably signing balling the out. Hey. Probably signing of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like I was at Marconi last night. It was like 500 to 1,000 people. It needs a lot of work, man. Not even 500. Same yeah. with Olympic. It needs a lot of work. But I think that's the thing, bro. I th- like they've got their sights set on full stadiums and all this stuff, but the stadiums that they're trying to fill are designed for other sports and other events and whatever else. And like you look at lower league football, like if you look at Wrexham, it's obviously more documented yeah. for people that might get around it or know the series. Like they were Renault in the stadium and I can't remember what it is that they were getting in, but they had like decent following. 
mm. and they were in non-league. Yeah. Like they're f- fifth tier of football over there and they're getting that in because they've been around for so long and the fan base has built up and stuff. Like we don't have that luxury of culture and history and whatever else. Like you've got to build on that. So us now growing up with the Wanderers or with MacArthur or with whatever that club might, may be that you support in your local area or whatever, um, you know, when we're having children and shit like that, that's when the heritage and stuff gets introduced and it keeps getting passed down. But a lot of these clubs are so far down like 50, hundreds of years old. Like we can't expect to have that loyalty and everything else from the get-go. And I think that's what a lot of the, you know, like I don't even know the word, like the governing body, I guess is probably the easiest way to just sum it up, don't don't get is that like you got to play the long-term game and that means smaller wins don't set the stadium limits at 20,000 and try and hit 20,000 from the start. Do what you say. Hit 5,000. Hit whatever. Pack it out. Create an atmosphere where supply and demand comes in. The demand is there for those tickets. Yeah. So then you can supply them with more tickets or more seats or more whatever. Like It's like Supreme and everything like that, how they made the brand so popular is because you couldn't have access to it. Mm. That's what is going to make people want to come to the games. If there's so many empty seats... It creates a shitter environment, which then gets people less interested. And if there's, you know, not the best football on show, whether that's from the referees or, you know, just the league struggling or whatever at that moment, or there's no big signings or no big players to come and watch, like you're not going to buy into it. You just sit at home and watch it yeah. or whatever else. And that's the other problem too. I don't know about Paramount and stuff, like nothing against Paramount or whatever. Yeah, but like, free to air. It's, it needs to be, man. Yeah. That's how people buy into it and whatever. So. Exposure is a big thing. Yeah. Quickly before we go, I'll say to you one thing. If I'm Marconi, this mm. is what I do. First of all, one dollar tickets for the whole NPL season. Yeah. Right now, one dollar at the door. That's what it is, or no, that's, that's what, what you would be. do. Yeah. Right. What did you pay last night? I didn't. We walked in half. Yeah, time. sweet. Yeah. Um. Well, I also just walked in with confidence. <laughs> yeah, hundred, bro. I'd um, do it too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would do a uh, dollar tickets. I'd also, like, and no one can tell me any different, Marconi have pokies. So they yeah. fucking, and they sell that much fucking piss on a Saturday. Yeah. So the amount of money that goes through that club's insane. Yeah. So what you do is you invest in um, attractive merchandise rather than like generic merchandise. And what you do, you think about what kids would want to wear to school, what kids would want to wear out and about, right? So you want to make hats and you want to make like hoodies as well. Yeah. You want to make shirts. Yeah. You make that in bulk. And different designs as well. And that way, when you have like young 14-year-old kid coming to the game, hey, by the way, here's a free hat. Thank you for coming. That Not only is he coming for a dollar, you've also just given him a piece of merch he'll probably wear at training. He'll probably wear it right. anywhere. Yeah. So instead of you viewing that as like a $7 loss on a shirt, or what I say, it's I say the shirt costs you 12 bucks. That's $12 in marketing. Yeah. However far that goes is however far that goes. Yeah, yeah. He tells his mate, like, what are you wearing? He's like, oh, Marconi Stallions. Right? Say there's a kid from the mountains playing for Marconi. Like, oh, yeah, it's a dollar to go to the game as well. Yeah. All of a sudden you've got other you know, people. You know I mean? Yeah. The game the the game of bringing people to the stadium you have to run at an immediate loss because you can't generate it like some fucking hype shit. You have to run for now at a loss and do sm- you have to work in like an idea of like diff- you know what I mean? It can't Point be of difference. Yeah. It yeah, can't yeah. just be going on Instagram, "Hey guys, we're playing on Saturday, come to the game." Yeah, do you know about um do you know about the Starbucks marketing technique? No. So you know when you get a Starbucks, heaps of people post. Um, yeah, you write the name wrong. The name's wrong? Yeah. That's intentional. Yeah. So that's the Starbucks marketing thing, right? So they went, 
people were going to post this and be like, what the hell? They fucked up my name or they spelt my name wrong or whatever. It's so simple. But you think about what that actually does. Whether people are talking about you in a good way or a bad way, if the coffee's good, they're going to buy another coffee, right? But taking a photo, even if it's funny, like or like I saw one, my cousin, she's in Paris right now, posted a Starbucks this morning. Yeah. And it's like um, Dion and her name's spelled D-I-O-N-N-E, right? Yeah. And it's literally D-E-O-N, like D-E-O-N, D-E-O-N, sorry, yeah. written on it. And she's like, close, but post it, right? Yeah. That's the point. It's like... You point, you're posting their product, you don't realize what you're doing. You're doing the marketing. And the same thing goes with like other stuff like um, Alfred's. Have you heard of Alfred's yeah. apartment? So it's my mate's cafe and clothing store and stuff on the Goldie. And when I first went up there, they had a run club. And I was like, oh, a good way to make mates up here, like, you know, do sport or do whatever. So I went with the run club. It was like two dudes running one day and me. And it was raining and we just went for a run or whatever. And then the next week there was more people, more people, more people. But when I was talking to the owner, he's like, yeah, the run club started as like us just wanting to be healthy and whatever else and like get the boys going. He said, but the other thing is like um, run club morning, if you go run club, half price coffee and stuff like that. And I'm doing like um, burritos and shit, brekkie burritos at the time. So it's like half price brekkie and that. So you'd go for a run, you get a discount for coming. So people would come and then they'd sit down, have a coffee and whatever else. But what people didn't realize is run club was free. It didn't cost you anything. You got a cheaper coffee and shit. But you'd post about that kind of stuff. You'd make friends and whatever else. And it brought people to the cafe. And now we've like moved it. And some Saturdays we had like 50 people come to the run club. Some Saturdays it's five people. It's whatever. But it's always on. It's always free. Rain, hail or shine. But the concept is exactly that. Bring people to the cafe. They have a good time. They're going to spend money. They're going to whatever. And he's got the clothing brand, which I don't know if you've seen it pop off. Yeah, it's insane. It's everywhere now. It's everywhere. Like they're in Tokyo right now. I'm about to go meet up with them. But like yeah. they're literally just there because this Japanese guy has like got their stuff in the store and wanted to like a collab with them. And yeah. they're like, yeah, we'll come on a holiday and link up and do this shit. Networking, bro. You got to give. You got to give to get yeah. for sure. Yeah. I definitely think if any club wanted to use me as a contractor, I think they'd pack out the stadium within a first game of the season. They'd right. five to 10,000 people, honestly, hand on heart. Bro, this is the thing though, right? Like even, you know, I won it yesterday and the crew, yeah. like they talk about this, we talk about it a lot. Like they did all that from a passion project at the start, like wanting to work in football and do you know Joey Ferroni? Yeah. So his whole thing was he just wanted to do it. He's a big Sydney FC fan and whatever else and just bought into it. They've ended up, doing the World Cup show on SBS, bro. Yeah. Like for us who grew up watching football in Australia, that's the pinnacle. Yeah. And it's like to do a World Cup and have all your mates as the creators on the show and your friends from product, everything in the production line was like the crew. Like that's insane, but it's all passion. And it, was, it all started from doing shit for nothing or doing it for very little. Yeah. And it's built up and got to this point. And now they're working with massive clients and they're covering – doing collabs with the Prem and whatever else. And like Claude's has taken off and he's like one of the faces of football uh, media in Australia. And it's like, dude, I met this, I met Joey in a Italian restaurant after a local FC event with Nike at Ultra. Yeah. Like we were just eating pizza and just got yarning. And next thing you know, that guy's put me on TV for the World Cup. Like yeah, it's all for, from doing stuff for nothing. Yeah. All of it, bro. So take the cost out of it. Stop trying to make a prof and let's have good football. Yeah, Fuck. man. You're telling me, man. You're telling me. From a boy who's uh, not that lives next to Marconi, I just want to see the game do well, you know. Yeah. Fucking. 
so hard. It's so hard. They're I so th- stupid. Bro. I think it's a lot. Like, why would you listen to a fat kid from Amoeba? You know what I mean? Like, what have I? They, that's what they say in their heads. They'd be like, what, what, what would this kid know? And you're like, everything that you wouldn't because you're in a fucking suit. Exactly. Exactly. This yeah. one, like, this kid here is the exact reason football will survive is people like us. Passionate about it. That yeah. Care. I think the other thing, too, is a lot of people are scared to make change. Time. Um, uh, what is it? Oh, that's right. Um, I heard a thing, and it was it's the CEO of Blockbuster. He has a saying now, which he's like, CEO doesn't stand for chief executive officer or whatever the hell it is or whatever. Um, he's like, it stands for change equals opportunity. And you look at what they dropped the ball on so hard with netflix like they offered netflix offered a fat deal to them whatever and they didn't take it and now blockbuster doesn't exist pretty much but like if you think about every situation like that like the world is going to change you move with it like some things like are important to hold on to and to to respect the culture or the history or where things have come from and to hold on to that sure but everything moves past it so it's like you either it either moves with you or it moves against you and it holds you back and i think a lot of football and stuff like that in australia especially is too held on trying to do things the older way or like with the wrong mindsets and not really opening their mind about what it could be like imagine if you played football in australia like you sign up with pfa or whatever or whatever is football australia you register you should get like you know, maybe a discounted membership or you should get X amount of free A-League games to a year and whatever. And if you give those things away, like, sure, they'll probably pay to come to the other games that they don't get. Like, say you get three games a year or whatever else free. You're going to use that stuff because it's free. Like, it's a good day out for the family and for whatever else. And, you know, if you want to go, your mum's got to pay to go or your dad's got to pay to go or whoever or your friend that doesn't, isn't registered that wants to come with you or whatever, you invite them. Like, it just invites the families out to the stadium, but it's all just giving fucking something extra. And it seems like the, like I've never thought about that in my life until just then, but like how do they not have all these ideas come into life that are yeah. revolutionary? I'm fucking baffled, bro. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Any NPL clubs out there want to use me as a contractor? I'm not going to work nine to five Monday to Friday, but I will come in two days a week and yeah. just go, this is what we're doing this week. This is what we're doing this week. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Um, there's plenty of examples in America. What's his name when he bought fucking Dallas back? Mark Cuban. Oh, yeah. I was about to say Cuban. Gave him a ticket for like a, I'm pretty sure he gave him free entry. Yeah. And just brought everyone back over like a course of like a month, which yeah. in NBA term is like six, six to eight games really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he just brought everyone back so quickly because he just said, hey, like I saw you haven't renewed your membership. Got on the phone himself. He goes, Mark yeah. Cuban here. Just bought the yeah. Mavericks. I see you haven't renewed. Um, how about you come down to the game for free? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Like, here's your seating. And just fucking, bro, you just, yeah, you got to run at a loss. And then, in the lo- like, good marketing runs at a loss initially. Yeah. Good, fucking really good marketing runs at a, not, like, a loss initially. And then, yeah, you're able to profit in the long term. You see numbers on Kanye at Super Bowl? Yeah. Insane, eh? That's fucking insane. What was it, like, seven, seven million? Seven million. That cost? Is that yeah. Seven million upfront cost, bang, film the ad on his iPhone. Yeah, shit's 20 bucks on the website. Like, think about how similar. There's no effort that's gone into that, bro. And then I think the numbers that I saw afterwards was like 20 mil. Yeah, and also having everything the same price. We're not, we're not, we're obviously not fans what he does, like what he says. But no, I'm not, I'm um, not a fan of Love the art. Love the art, I will say. I like the business, bro. Yeah. The Inter Milan fucking stuff. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, he also made everything the same price. And in that way, 
you can gauge product testing. Yeah. Yeah. From everything being the same price, it has no differential of price. And everything the main factor in purchasing. Yeah, and everything was pre-order as well. Yeah, and that's the same. Like a lot of people do this, you know, drop shipping and shit's kind of the same method. But a lot of online brands do this where they print on demand or whatever. So it's like you know you have all your shirts up and online, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not the best. You got to have quality within that. So like Alfred's um have a kind of similar thing with what they're doing where they bought all their blanks they've ordered all their blanks um and they've like made the shirt so good so they can just screen print on top of it and they don't have to make massive amounts if it's not moving well sweet like they'll make say 50 or whatever and then if they sell 100 sweet they just print another 50 you know everyone gets their shirts in a couple of days or whatever but the same time you're not losing out on heaps of costs same with all the hats which have gone nuts like they can't get enough of the og cut hat and ed was like dude i just can't get enough so he was like ordering in advance in advance in advance like i need more i need more these are going to sell these are going to sell like everything's flying so he's at the point now where he's just ordering so many blanks just so they can like do custom ones and whatever else and just drop them every few weeks but that's the thing they're dropping them here there and everywhere it's not like you're waiting all year for shit to come back in stock or it's not like it's sold out once or whatever like well a lot of the stuff does sell out once and that creates a demand but like he brings things back in three months time and goes oh another restock and it's just like bang gone in a day because people want it same goes for tickets jerseys all that shit so ah yeah bro a lot of work to do i got a lot of other ideas i got a lot of stuff to tell you as soon as um yes recording finishes but yeah i um yeah Definitely a lot of ideas. Australian football is in a fucking fascinating, fascinating thing. It, it, Marketing-wise, bro, it's insane. But anyway, better fucking, better stop it. I've been Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Nah, no worries. All right. See you next week. Ladder bolt.